Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride as we are live from Island Wing Company. Man, back here on the south side, we love coming to see our friends here at Island Wing Company, the best wings in town. Love it. Love hanging out here. Uh, two great locations. Um, by the way. Can you imagine this place Saturday night? Oh, my goodness. This thing will be right. They'll be hanging from the rafters in here. Oh, what a great place this will be to come. So come watch football here uh, at Island Wing Company uh, this Saturday night for sure. The uh, Birdie told me, you know, I'm an investigative reporter of sorts. You are. Intrepid, I think, is the I'm word intrepid. we've used before. The, the word I like to use, I, I'm a bit of a journalist, okay? Yeah. And a little Birdie has told me. I think of Morley Safer, Mike Wallace, uh, Frank Franchi. Yeah, not necessarily in that order. And I am. Um, I, um, but I hear that that uh, Tamayo. Ed Bradley. Ed Bradley. <laughs> Bradley first, again, yeah. not in that order. Yeah. Uh, I hear that the Tamayo location, which I'm told is walking distance from my house. Yeah. Is probably going to be open this calendar year. Wow! Oh, that changes everything. That's a game changer. That changes everything. I talked to our friend Shane Powers, who owns the joint, has done such a great job of this Island Wing franchise, this Island Wing world. He says, "Is that a good thing?" I said, "I'm not sure." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not completely. I can't confirm that yeah. that's a good thing. It's a good I, thing for Shane. It's going to be a change. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but it's a good change or not? That's so awesome. So there's that. Have you seen construction as no, you pass no, by? No, no, but okay. I know exactly where it's going. It's going right there on the corner where, where our friends from First Florida are. First Florida's yeah. got that location, a beautiful location yeah. there, literally dead in front of it. If you drew a line from First Florida mm-hmm. to Beach Boulevard, that's it. Okay? That's and if, awesome. you draw, if you continue to draw the line, that's the entrance to Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. Yeah. What I'm here to tell you is <laughs> I could become a full-blown alcoholic. Okay? Yeah. That, 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 the possibility exists. Well, There's you know, that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's – you know, we've always used the phrase as the crow flies. Yes. For this, it'll be as Frank flies. As Frank walks. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Well, actually, if, if I'm there too long, it might not be that straight line. Okay. <laughs> so the crow may fly way straighter than I walk. So, uh, but uh, we certainly appreciate As pre- Frank stumbles. As Frank stumbles. We certainly appreciate uh, Shane and our friends here from Milo Wing Company. We certainly love coming out here. We certainly appreciate that very, very much. A lot of things to talk about today on the uh, program. Ooh, there's going to be a big one. Have you heard? On Saturday night. I, it's it's probably unhealthy for me <laughs> that it's still just Wednesday. I mean, we still have like seventy two hours. Me too. Hours it's unhealthy before, for me we're too. Still not. Yeah. I mean, it's but yeah, it's it's fantastic. Can't wait. I mean, this is look. This is what it's like. Welcome to relevancy. Yeah. You know. I mean, there, right. there's a lot of markets that take this for granted, and I don't think we ever will because of what we've gone through. And uh, whether you're a young fan or whether you're a, a fan that's been here since the beginning. We've all gone through tough times. Mm-hmm. And to see that now they could be on the precipice of doing something amazing, it's, uh, it's, a, t- it's a ton of fun and uh, so, much, so much excitement, and it's so great to see. And like we've talked about, this is a year ahead of schedule. The whole focus on this season was how good can Trevor Lawrence be in Doug Peterson's system? Let's look to the future and let's just get Trevor to where he doesn't have more interceptions and touchdowns. That, that was what this season was about. Good point. And That's what so, we all kind of said. Absolutely. And to be where we are now watching the development of Trevor Lawrence, 
but also the development of a lot of other players. Evan Ingram and Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne have all had monster days throughout the season. You've had the defense create a ton of takeaways. It feels like the pass rush is finally starting to figure it out. And yes, you've lost a couple key guys along the way, but for the most part, you're healthy. I mean... It, it feels like over the last month the Jaguars are one of the best teams in all of the National Football League, and I think they have something to prove on Saturday night. Well, of anything, Trevor's ahead of schedule. A second-year player, 25-8, and eight, 25 touchdowns, 8 picks, and that seems to be the barometer these days. Um, if ever a player was going to be ahead of schedule, it would be this quote-unquote generational talent coached by this unbelievably good coach and quarterbacks coach surrounded by new receivers who are veterans in the league if ever there was going to be a reason, this is the reason. So, uh, yeah, so it, so it, it is uh, It's going to be fun, fun, fun. Um, whew, I'm looking forward. I'm like you. I was down at the stadium today, and uh, the Monday Night Football trucks are here. Oh, cool. When's the last time we saw those? Uh, the, never. The Monday, night f- <laughs> the Monday Night Football truck. I mean, they say Monday Night Football is out of it. They say, are you ready for some football? May or may not have tweeted that picture out earlier oh, okay. today. Oh, okay, very cool. But, I mean, I'm thinking, how, how often do we – I mean, we just don't see that very often. You know, we don't, we don't get that. And we got it. And, uh, I mean, I – I believe it was December 5th, 2011, folks. That, that's the last Monday yeah. Nighter? Is that, is, that right? That is what Google is telling me. The, the last, Jaguars did not win. The last Monday Nighter was 11. And that was not here. That was – sorry, yeah. that was at San Diego is what I believe. Yeah, so the – But either who, way. Who, who knows the last time the Monday Nighter – the Monday Night Boys were here. Uh, do we have Buck and Aikman? Is it confirmed? I have – I've got to believe have, it is. I would think, but yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen that. I mean, again, I mean, again, Kansas City is a, a more named team is playing in the first ESPN game. Right. So it could be – they could be going there. But this is the game for all the marbles, so I'm going to guess. And because it's the night game, I'm going to guess Buck and Aikman are coming. That's what I would think. Yeah, and 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 look, the game just sounds bigger with the right broadcasters. Sure. With the right national broadcasters, the game just sounds bigger. I have, I've not seen an announcement on who it is yet, though. It's in the the Jaguars have sent out their release. I'll oh, have it is. To look it is. Okay. It's got to be in there. Yeah, you would think. Uh, they sent it out yesterday. Then maybe uh, it's not the them if we're, if we're not buzzing about it yet. Well, then it, it could be the other team. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll 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 check. And the, um, and and the, the other is the other team Lewis Riddick and Steve is Orlovsky that and or, or would it be uh, Levy yeah. Greasy and Riddick? I wonder if that's it. No, well, Greasy not anymore because he's a coach now. But Levy oh, yeah. Riddick maybe Orlovsky. We'll we'll see. They'll let us know. But uh, but I'm guessing I'm going to guess until I'm told it's not that it's probably Buck Aikman. So so we'll see. It is Buck. So Gibby says it is yep, Buck Aikman. It's Joe Buck. Trey Aikman and Lisa Salter. Yeah, so that's the A team. Yeah. Okay, that's the A team. So their first game since Monday night. Also yeah. This is, this is what a great ended. reporter Ryan O'Halloran is. He just texted me, yes, it's Buck. How about Aikman. that? O'Halloran's yeah. the Ryan greatest. Ryan O'Halloran he? is all over yeah. the NFL. He's also folks. the great. He's also the greatest listener. Okay, <laughs> he's we, our number one listener. By the way, had we read the release, yeah, uh, yeah, so which was sent to us yesterday, this I, sentence was also yeah. in here. Uh, the Jaguar. This will mark the first time the Jaguars have hosted a primetime game outside of Thursday night football since they welcomed the San Diego Chargers in, 11. in 2011. Oh, so it was here. Yeah, so so good. So it's all good. So we're thank excited. Thank you for about that information. This. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Please, if Ryan was the researchers, uh, Frangie Show research assistant Ryan O'Halloran. Uh, checking in from uh, upstate New York, so we appreciate that. So, um, but I bet it will be a little jarring for their team to go from right. the situation that they had That's in right. Cincinnati That's to right. then kind of turning it around and, and having to just focus on this and game. And they did a magnificent job on that, too. They really did, including Lisa Salters, who was so good from the sideline. Uh, speaking of DeMar Hamlin, we're, we're, the information we're getting is slowly coming in, but uh, it does look like there's improvement. We don't know what the improvement – I think that's the word we saw today was improvement, still critical condition. Uh, I saw one report that he's not breathing on his own yet, but, it, but the percentage of oxygen 
is less. Yeah, so, he went for last night, according to reports, he went from 100% oxygen yeah. to 50%, yeah. which is a good sign. Yeah, yeah. So it would seem that, uh, and again, we're not doctors, obviously, but it would seem that this thing's headed in the right direction on many fronts or, or a positive direction on many fronts. But, yeah, I mean, your Saturday night, your prime time, Buck, Buck and Aikman are in town, the Monday night trucks are in town. Uh, are you ready for some football? Yes. I mean, I, it's, I'm like you, Hayes. It's only Wednesday night. I got to bide my time. I got to bide my time a little bit. So, uh, so it's we only gotta, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, I wish you hadn't said that. Now I got another. I got three or four another more three hours. hours. I got three hours before it's Wednesday night. Thanks, Lauren, for ruining my vibe, my buzz there. So, hey, a lot of things to talk about. We will talk when we come back about a special way we're going to kick this thing off on Friday afternoon that we're very excited about, and uh, that comes up in just a bit. Uh, we're going to kick this party off the right way. But right now, we're kicking it off the right way right here at Island Wing Company. Every Wednesday, we'll be here either here or Bartram, and then later on in the year, a little later on in the year, we move to Thursdays. But we're certainly excited about our friends here at Isla Wing Company. We love coming out here. So come out here, say hello. We always stick around a little bit after the show and have a few drinks. We'd love to have you come by and say hello, hang out with us for just a bit. Today on the program, I want to talk about Jags, Titans, Doug Peterson. I got a thought or two about Doug uh, that I want to get to. So I'm going to start the show today. We'll talk a little bit about the Titans. Uh, I, I will remind you, the Titans have something to play for here too, that there's a significant difference between this and, and, and Atlanta coming in here and Morton Anderson missing a field goal. They had nothing to play for. All that missed was all that missed meant to them was that eh, one more loss and better draft pick. Yeah, and a better draft pick. So and Morton had to be embarrassed a little bit. But I, uh, this uh, both teams play for all this. So we're certainly going to talk about that. Talk a little bit about the other games this weekend. There's some other games of significance that will help carve the NFL picture. So a lot of NFL talk today. We'll talk some college football. I got a thought or two about that. Got a thought or two about the Bulldogs. If Georgia wins, and most of us expect that they're going to, boy, what a dynasty! What 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 they have created. It really is. Is it Alabama-like? Is it Clemson-like? Um, it's not quite where Alabama is in terms of how many championships, obviously. But it feels to me more sustainable than Clemson turned out to be. And Clemson's still going to be very good, by the way. But Clemson fell from the, late, from the, from the ranks of best, best two or three program in the country. They didn't fall very far, but they fell a little bit. So we'll talk about these, this, great Georgia, this great Georgia football team. And, w- and what they've been. We'll talk about quarterbacking a little bit. Uh, college basketball back on Florida tonight. You, we, we, we're on different sides of the fence. You guys are confident that Florida can be 9-9 nine and nine in the league. I'd be shocked if they're 9-9 nine and nine in the league watching them. Um, but they played Auburn good. They played Auburn in a good game last week. I don't think they, we weren't here to talk about that. So Yeah, on the road, led with about a minute 30 left. Played with, played with a toughness. They just can't put the biscuit in the basket, man. They, they uh, It's – it's weird. It's almost like from listening to Todd Golden talk after the Auburn game, there's a there's a little bit of a Jaguar feeling like with Todd Golden and Doug Peterson. Yeah, it's like, boy, we're, exactly. I mean, we've got all the right stuff. It you know we just need one or two things to start going our way. It, he feels like a coach that's certainly frustrated yeah. with the record and knows it's not good enough but still feels like there is something in this team that can be good. Maybe not special. Maybe not what the Jaguars are doing. But can they find something? And, yeah, I still have confidence that they can. But I will tell you, with Doug Peterson, you could, we could see it too. It wasn't just him saying it. We could see how close they were. So, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about that a little later. But let's start with football. I'm going to start with a comment about Doug Peterson. Uh, that's how we kick off the program. We'll talk a little bit about the Titans as well. Big one coming up. And we'll tell you about how we're kicking it off on the weekend or before the weekend even starts. This is 1010XL on 92.5 FM. Well, it is a playoff game. It's a win and you're in, you know. Um, so it's, it's playoff atmosphere. Um, 
gosh, it'll be it'll be fun to to be uh, in a full stadium, you know, a loud stadium, you know, a home crowd. You know, the guys will get they'll get jazzed up and and we have a lot of energy, you know, and and that's what you want, you know, and that's what you, uh, that's what we're trying to build here, and that's the culture we want. We want full stadiums every uh, you know every Sunday. It's a kitchen and flooring design center Wednesday on the Frangie Show. Make your home dreams come true with the Kitchen and Flooring Design Center. Hey, we're glad you're with us uh, live at Island Wing Company. Man, I'm, I'm already getting texts. Our friend Sarah, Sarah the photographer, has already told me that she's excited because we're going to be an Island Wing Company close to us. That she is lives very out that true. way too. And you, you, you know, could change. Very your, close to my parents. Could, could change. Could change your parents' lives. Also life, close so, to so, me. Yeah. So, uh, so there. So, but the, I'm a little bit annoyed and jealous. That Hayes Carline mandated one close to him, and suddenly it happened. Mandated. I mean, he mandated and it happened. Okay. Before happened. you did. Well, Brand yeah, new yeah. Build. He, he was well, obviously for mine. Mine. They haven't even broken ground on mine yet. So uh, it kind of ticks me off a little bit. So, um, but it's gonna be three of them. Uh, right, speaking of fun parties, let me tell you what's coming up on Friday. Um, another one of our great friends, our friends at Strings. We love going to Strings. What a what a wonderful bar that is. Uh, we got all the areas of town covered between between Bartram Island Wing, this Island Wing, the new Tamayo Island Wing. In Strings and Springfield. We got most of it covered. So um, uh, we are having a kickoff party. Have you heard this? I have heard. We are having a kickoff party on Friday at Strings. This is like Florida, Georgia. Let me tell you, this is so big. We're giving away 100 T-shirts, compliments of our friends at Big Chief Tire. Big Chief Tire is wow. 11. We're, we're all in this together, okay? So Big Chief Tire is excited about this weekend, too. Okay, so we love That's it. awesome. And have you seen the T-shirts? I have. I think people are going to like the message. I think people I'm are I'm not going to tell you what's to. on them, but I'm going to tell you you're going to want one. Yep. So first 100 people. First, I, here's what I think I'm going to do it like this. I think I'm going to do the first 100 people maybe after four. Okay. Because I just want to, rather than, I don't want 100 people to come in or three and be gone. So I may say first 100 people um, are going to get a T-shirt. Okay. 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 Um, and and they're nice. They're teal. So if you're wearing teal to the ball game, we just get we got some garb for you. Um, but in addition to that, you ready? Two club seats. What? There's no tickets available. There's none like in the world. If you can go, you can go to Oslo, Norway, and look for Jags tickets. Can't find them. Okay. So not just two tickets, two club tickets. Clubbies. Wow. Two clubbies. Compliments of the Jags. How about that? Uh, we're giving away. Now you got to be there to win. You got to be present to win. So you're going to come by, put your name in the box. We'll, we're not going to tell you when we're giving it away. So you might you can come out there and hang out with us. And that great food at Strings and that great beer at Strings. So we're kicking this dang thing off right. Party. Johnny O's stopping by, some other special guests. Um, I'm told some members of the Roar are coming by. Okay, uh, I've ho- I've heard I've told what they want is to do a cheer with Hayes Carline. Have you heard? Here this? we go. Okay, he's been stretching. I'm I mean, ready. I mean, so so I mean his voice. So Friday. That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to fr- channel my inner <laughs> Olivia Newton John. There you go. So Friday afternoon, it's all coming down at strings. If you're not there, then you don't care about the team. Right. If you don't care, and you, you hate freedom, and you hate. Freedom. <laughs> in America. Uh, I mean, come by a T-shirt giveaway, 100 T-shirts given away. Somebody so you just register to win the tickets. You don't have to know any trivia or anything nope, like that. No, you just register, and we're giving them away. And uh, and and so, but two club seats to, to, to one of the biggest home games ever. So uh, that's on Friday night. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be a big time. So uh, we'll tell you, if you're in Springfield, also go there to watch the game if you're not going. If you're here in Tinseltown, well, of course, you're coming here to watch the game. If you're in St. John's County, of course, you're going to that Bartram location to watch the game. So. Man, oh man, what a big game! We're certainly excited about it. There's no question about that. All right, um, what can, that, can I ask a question real quick? Yes, I'm so fired. Up. Yes. But what do you think? Do you think like <laughs> it, it's six thirty? It's that Wednesday night. afternoon. Remember, yeah, like I mean, 
I, I know. I, I but I can't. I keep thinking about like what's like it. Is it going to feel like a normal like crowd coming into the stadium Saturday like, afternoon? Yeah, like six. No. Thir- what do you think it's going to be like? I think because I think people are going to get there and be there all day. Yes, I think you will have some of the really intense people that are there by around ten a.m. I think the majority of people will arrive sometime between noon and 4 p.m. And I would expect most people to be tailgating and locked in, ready to go by 4. At the, I would say 4, honestly, at the latest. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. I, I, I hope. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, would, I would think there's a great chance I think th- I think there's, a, there's, an ass- there's an assortment. I think there will be some people that go when they normally go, the people that go to the games all the time. But I also think, I, I also think that – some people are so excited about this they can't wait to get down there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be cool, but it's going to be a gorgeous day. I mean, it's going to be not a cloud, in the, according to the weather forecast, not a cloud in the sky, high in the mid-60s, it's gonna be in the 40s by game time. So it's going to be cool. It's football weather. It's supposed to be cool. I, I just, my goodness, Saturday. I mean, I'm going to wake up. I may have an omelet, maybe a pancake with blueberry syrup. Um, I haven't had a pancake in years. I don't even know why I said that, but maybe what I do. I had crepes wa- recently. Oh, I might have a crepe. They nah, were cream cheese crepe's not, Crepe isn't tough enough for this game. <laughs> I may just need some just sausage and I'll hold it in my hand and eat it. You know what yeah. I mean? Crepe isn't tough enough for this game, is it? I mean, this game might be so tough you just eat grape nuts with, like, no milk. <laughs> no milk. No. I mean, well, you, are li- you, are, you are living life on the edge is what you're doing. Uh, but I mean, I my just, grandparents always had grape nuts when I was a kid. I thought it was the worst cereal of all time. <laughs> so we'll wake up, and I mean, it, it'll just be. Um, yeah, you know. I think people get there early because you don't want to sit in traffic. You'd way rather have, or you will have way more fun tailgating and just hanging out than you will if you get there later and, and try and fight that traffic. We're I'll doing the uh, kickoff show at Tailgaters starting at three thirty on Saturday. Yeah. So three thirty yeah. to five, we'll be there. Yeah, yeah I think that lot will be filled by right around yeah. when your yeah. show starts. Yeah, Mia's already invited me to come by. And, yeah, and, and so I may just come by and hang out. That'd be awesome. I mean, I, 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 my hits at like three forty-five, right? Yeah, I'm just might just never leave. He'll have Perfect. a sausage in his hand. Oh, I'll just have a sausage <laughs> and, and all the sausage juice on the mouth. You know, all that. That's what I'll have. I can't. I can't wait for Saturday. My goodness, I can't believe grape nuts made the program there today. Ah, uh, you know what? It's a doggone good show when you have uh, grape nuts. There's no question. And fruity on, pebbles. I'm just waiting on coconut. I no, just made that fruit, happen. Fruity pebbles, not this week. Okay, not this week. Okay. So, um, so no, we're we're super excited about this. All right, look. Um, one, one serious thought about Doug Peterson. I got to spend a little time with Doug today. Um, you know, we got talking about the, the DeMar Hamlin thing, and, and, I, and, I, and, he, and he talked about it publicly uh, on various television shows and at his podium, but, but he really shared it a little more at length, just he and, he and me talking today. And he said, Frank, he said, I, I got to make sure our guys are okay. The most important thing for all of us in the football community is to pray for DeMar and make sure DeMar's okay. That, that, that's, that's hope number one. But I've got a lot of young people that watch that, and, and, and we've got to make sure. And he said, so what I said to them, and again, I'm, I'm repeating stuff you probably already heard him say because I know he said it on some of the television shows. But today I, he said it to me one-on-one today, and it just, it just stuck with me. I've got to make sure they're okay. Don't keep it in. If something scared you, if something stays with you, if something has rattled you, and how could it not, let's talk to our team psychologists. Let's talk to each other. Let's, let's talk to our coaches. Our co- let, let's all make sure we don't make them. And this has nothing to do with winning a football game. This has nothing to do with let's do this so we can beat the Titans. This isn't about let's beat the Titans. This is about let's make sure we're okay. And I need to make sure. that. And, and I watched the look in his eyes when he was telling me this today. Golly, um, that's a special cat coaching the Jaguars. I, I, I guess that's my point. Just just how important it was to him. He's got, he's got, he's got a bunch of boys. You know, he, he's a dad. 
but just how important it is to him that these guys are okay. And, again, I'm going to be clear about this. What he was telling me today, this was not about let's get ready. This is not so you'll be good when you play the Titans. That wasn't the point. The point was you're a young person. I mean, it's a young team, man. A lot of young people on that team. And make sure you're okay as you manage your day-to-day affairs and make sure you let us help you. The one thing I don't want is don't keep it in. Don't, it's not macho to keep it in. It's not. It's not. It, it's, 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 it's mature and macho and brave to talk about your concerns. And I, and I, I don't want to be corny about this. I'm trying really hard. I don't, this isn't a grandstand corny moment for the coach. I mean, as sincere as I can here. That moved me today because I think, gosh, this is one good dude to have leading that ship. It really is. Well, and you think about all the questions that those players or certainly many of them might have. And, you know, the more conversation that is being had uh, from the head coach and and people that, you know, he might be bringing in to to speak to the players to give them more uh, of a a generality sense on the whole thing, uh, processing it. you know, maybe it. You know, you you bring in uh, somebody from the medical team just to go over. This is what they'll be doing. This is this is how, uh, you know, rare this is. You know, some, something to that effect. Just so every question that they might have, they've been provided an answer for, and they've certainly been provided an outlet uh, if they if they have other questions uh, or seeking more information about it. But yeah, I think it's it's fantastic, and you can't. You can't wall yourself off. And I think that uh, this era of coaches has embraced that, that you don't put up walls anymore in coaching. You try to take the walls down, and that leads to a more conducive team. As a player, wouldn't your first question be, can this happen to me? I mean, doesn't that have to run through your mind? Every single player on that football field, special teams obviously also. can this happen to me? And if the answer is yes, do I want to keep playing this sport if I'm going to end up like Damar and Adal? You know, that right. I think that has to run through your mind. And so they have to, yeah, they absolutely have to have those conversations, and they do need the medical opinions to be able to kind of work through all that. And and I think Doug has done a phenomenal job. But honestly, it doesn't surprise me. Doug Peterson is such a fantastic human being. Set, let us. Put aside the, the football coach that he, fantastic football coach that he is. He's a fantastic human being. Frank, yeah. you've certainly got to know him. All the stories that I hear about him, the interactions that I've had, he really does care about people, and, and that's important. Tony Bastelli said something. It was either we were talking or maybe he was on the drill or uh, I, I don't know. Tony, Tony's interviewed a lot, and I don't know if it was one of the, you know, I t- we're, we're together a lot, and he's with, but I heard him say it, and he said, Doug is such a good coach, such a good player, play caller and might be an even better leader. Man, leadership in this day and age matters. I mean, it freaking really matters, man. It it, it, it really matters. And so, um, anyway, so I was taken by that. Uh, I'm really impressed by this guy. I, I like him. I am so glad he's the coach here. You know, and I'll say this. The first however many years we had a team here, there was an awfully special guy leading that thing in Tom Coughlin. I mean, a good leader, a good man, a really good coach. And, uh, and, and by the way, I've liked the coaches we've had. I liked Jack. Not everybody. I got a great relationship with Jack. Gus was one of my really good friends. We'd go to breakfast together, and I liked him very much. I didn't know Doug as well. I, I met Mike Malarkey a little bit. I didn't know him well. But we've had good men lead this thing. It's not like there's been two good ones and a bunch of bad ones. I don't believe that. There's been a lot of good men here, and we're fortunate to have them. 
But, boy, I'm glad this guy's running this thing. I, I really am. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the game, talk about the Titans, what it means to the Titans. Who are the Titans? Who are today's Titans compared to um, yesterday's Titans, last week's Titans, the last five years' Titans? We'll talk Titans football. They're coming to town. That's next day with us. You know, I'm proud of the situation we put ourselves in. It's, it wasn't easy to get in this spot, especially the way we started the season. Um, and, and here we are with an opportunity to win the division. And this is the only game that matters right now. And we, we, we're just putting everything we have into just scoring one more point than them. That's all that matters is winning the game. Trevor Lawrence talking about this upcoming game on Saturday night against the hated Tennessee Titans. Frank, is there anyone more hated as far as Titans go than Jeff Fisher? The longtime Tennessee coach. It's funny. Mike DiRocco and I were talking about that. DRock's doing a story on that. Okay. Nobody disliked him more than the Jacksonville folks. Nobody. The money line was they had won a lot of games here. In, it was when our stadium was still called Altel Stadium. And when someone said, you've had three different homes, referring to Houston, Memphis, and Tennessee. And, uh, and his answer was, well, you could say four if you include Altel Stadium in Jacksonville. Remember that? Yeah. That was the money line. Yeah. I had him on – Jacksonville people were furious with him for that. I had him on the air at the Super Bowl in Tampa. Okay. Well, after he wasn't a coach anymore, and I asked him about it, he said, man, I was just kidding around. But they didn't like me very much after that, did they? We, we laughed about it, so no, he did. But, but No, they didn't. But, but he was a coach of that team a long time, man. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Fisher was a coach of that, that franchise for all the way through the 2010 season – 95, 95, actually interim coach in 94, 95 is the coach of the Houston Oilers all the way to 2010. But think about this now. Between 09 and 19, 11 years, okay, they didn't win the division. Did you realize that the Titans went from 09 through 19 never winning the division? Why do why, – did I miss those eleven years? Well, Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's the number one reason. And then the and but, then Houston got hot. Yeah. And then Houston then Houston won it four or five years in a row. Yeah. But I it just and then Jacksonville had the one year in seventeen. But I just uh, so so the Titans and you're right it was a good division. That's your point. There were there were some there were good moments in the division, but they were so starting in that stretch they were they won the division in 08 with a thirteen and three record. That was 08. Okay. One year after the Jags had had such a good team. Remember, the year before when the Jags were so good in 07, the Titans were 10-6 and six and finished third. That's to your point about how good the division was. After that, let me run off starting 09. 8-8, 6-10, 9-7, 6-10, 7-9, 2-14, 3-13. I mean, that's pedestrian stuff. You know, that, that really is. And that was the end of the Fisher uh, uh, reign or regime. Mike Munchak. Uh, Mike Malarkey or Ken Wisenhut, Mike Malarkey, just not a lot happened then. You know, um, in 2018, they replaced Mike Malarkey, who had gone nine and seven in back-to-back years. You could say that's tough to fire a guy who's got back-to-back nine and seven years, but they did, and, uh, and and a lot of people thought he got a bad deal there. Mike's a good guy, and then Vrabel took over and also had back-to-back nine and seven years. So they were nine and seven four years in a row. The last two years of Malarkey, the first two years of Vrabel. And then the last three, they've been the last, the next two, they were very good, eleven and five, and then twelve and five. So they're an interesting team. They're one of the toughest teams in the league. They're physical. They're going to play a physical game. They're going to give the ball to Derrick Henry until he's not playing anymore. I str- when I think of the Titans, I think of really tough, really physical. Two years ago, almost got to the Super Bowl, but couldn't quite get there. Couldn't quite get over the hump, but hung near the hump very, very close because of their tough 
tough level to play. That's my assessment of who they've been over many years. They sort of, it's a, yeah, it's exactly what they are. They've always been incredibly physical. They're a street fight team. There's not a lot of finesse with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they are going to be a sledgehammer that, that, that is just going to be perpetually swung at you, and you're going to have to withstand it. And now they kind of resemble this team because it does feel like they're getting ready to undergo a massive, I don't know about rebuild, but certainly a massive reimagining of what they've been. And uh, they, they, they come into this game with the feel of an aging prize fighter, you know, from the, the glory era of like the 70s and 80s. Really well said. Where, you know, still very dangerous, but not at the peak of what the fighter once was. But now you're going up against the hot, young, up-and-coming lion, uh, the, the new heavyweight, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's an intriguing matchup. And you wonder if the aging prize fighter has that one more great fight left in him to throw the knockout and beat the young guy. The one good thing, though, is the aging prize fighter is more the team itself and not the quarterback. At least the Jaguars aren't facing a quarterback who is very seasoned and, yeah, isn't quite as good as they once were. They're facing a quarterback, like you documented, Hayes, who hasn't thrown very many passes in the league and is very new to this team. So I think, can he be dangerous? Absolutely. But as far as what the Jaguars can expect, they're, I think, obviously way more concerned about Derrick Henry. That is the, the most dangerous part about the Titans. He played the game, as we all know by now. He played the game against the Cowboys. They just brought him out of nowhere, signed him. He, was, he wasn't even on a team. He was 20 of 39 for 239 yard, 232 yards, a touchdown and interception, ran it a couple times for, for minimal yardage. It's still a bizarre circumstance that this guy that was a journeyman do you know what his career stats were before that game? Well, he, he had to have only thrown like 30, pa- 20 passes. 10 of 17. For, played a couple games in Pittsburgh. 10 of 17 for 45 yards. Six carries for 31 yards. Those were his career stats. 10 of 17 for 45 yards. And he's been in the league six years. And he's a six-year guy. 10 of 17 for 45. Six carries for 31 yards. Before... Mike Vrabel plucks him and says, you're going to go play the Dallas Cowboys, one of the better teams in football, to get, really just as a warm-up. What that was is that was a rehearsal. They weren't beating the Cowboys. That, but we're going to play you against the Dallas Cowboys because we're pretty convinced Malik Willis has no chance to win in Jacksonville. So the only chance we have is we might see a little something in you. You're kind of poised. So we'll, we'll play you because you're – and, we'll, and, and again, the, highly that, intelligent, a highly intelligent, athletic, you know, so much, a lot good to like about him. But I'm telling you that that performance at 20 of 30, all, 20 of 39, it was a dress rehearsal to get ready for the Jaguars. And that's why I played. And how bizarre is it that you're getting ready to play a guy in a just a monumental football game whose career numbers? career numbers are 30 for 56 for 277 yards. It just it boggles the mind that that's the circumstance on Saturday night. Dobbs has thrown 56 passes in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence has thrown 36 
touchdown passes yeah. in the NFL. And he's a young quarterback. And he's the baby. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has thrown 1,154 balls in the NFL in the regular season. Uh, the fact that the 23-year-old quarterback has thrown basically 1,100 more attempts in this league than the sixth-year veteran, it's astounding. Well, l- let, me, let me give you, Lauren, you wanna, let me give you the game plan. What happened was I snuck up to Nashville and peeked at it. Let me give you, can I give you the game plan? Sure. On first down, you know what you're doing? Hand it off to 22. Giving it to Derrick Henry. Okay. If it's second and one, you know what you do, Hayes? I'd go with the same thing. Derrick Henry. If it's second and 11, you know what you're doing, Lauren? You're giving it to Derrick Henry. I'll bet you, I'll, barring an injury or the Jaguars jumping way out, I'll bet he gets it 45 times. Have I lost my mind? It could. Ha- I don't, it won't be that. But it could. Could it? Could that happen? Yes. What was the but game? I think was it, it would be was it Kansas almost, City a couple years ago where he got it like fifty times. I, yeah, he I played would, against the Seahawks and had it carried it thirty-five times so in this, last season. Last year, okay. So. I, I would be curious in knowing what the season high is in the NFL this year for carries in a game for anybody and, for anybody. Yeah. And I don't know that how, you know this will test. Lauren Brooks's amazing <laughs> Google skills. She already has it by yeah, now. She yeah. might. So please tell us if you can find it. But um, Saquon I, I, has thirty-five this season. I told you thirty-five. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's so ten more he matched. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So that that would be okay, ten so more. F- okay, but but, uh, but now, he's getting it a bunch. And, and look, in Saquon, it, New York has Daniel Jones. They have a, a competent, yeah, you know, passing attack. So and and he's still getting it thirty-five times. I'm not dismissing. Yeah. That it, it, it yeah. but if it's forty-five times, yeah. it's going to be a bad night for the yeah. Jaguars. And, and maybe, and maybe it's four, and maybe it's thirty-eight, maybe it's thirty-four, maybe it's forty, maybe it's thirty-three. But you get the point. The only way they can play, the only way, the only chance they have, is to shorten the game, is to make it a. And look, what they, you know, the game they want, they want thirteen to ten in the third quarter, regardless of who's ahead. That's the game they want. Yeah, they want, obviously, handing it off to Derrick Henry. They want to have some takeaways. They want to have the Jaguars, obviously, nervous. And they want, I think, Josh Dobbs to scramble some because certainly mobile quarterbacks are right. still a weapon. Yeah, no, no question. I agree with that. But, I, but I, you're right. They want to – but I just – and this and look, in fairness to Josh Dobbs, he was 20 of 39 for 232 yards. It's not like he was 7 for 40. I mean, he was, he was, and he was 20 for 39 for for 232 yards. I would love for him to be 20 of 39. Yeah, me too. Because that means yeah. they're yeah. playing from behind like yeah. they were against the, the Cowboys. The Jags need to get a lead. The Jags need to make Mike Vrabel and his staff make a decision. You're down 21-3 late second. What are we doing? Okay. You're down 24-6 to six midway through the third. Probably can't keep running him. That's the game the Jaguars need. That's that is the game Jacksonville needs to play. The you are up, and what and now that you are up, you make them do what they definitely don't want to do, and try and take a guy who's thrown thirty six or fifty six passes in his career, and thirty nine of those were a week ago, right? Seventeen of them were before that. Uh, make him try and beat you in a rocking place. I'll tell you another part about it. And back to Doug Doug Peterson's leadership. This young team. You know one thing that young Jaguars have to be careful of? Don't be too jacked out of your gourd early on. That place is going to be on fire. And that can have a negative effect 
on either team. He's Doug's telling his team what I've been telling you to. It's just Wednesday yeah, afternoon. Yeah, but even on Saturday. Breathe. Even on Saturday when it starts to fill up and I sound loud. I mean, I'm just telling you, even when it's Saturday, you've got to be careful. Don't leave it on the field in warm-ups. Don't leave it on the field in the first quarter. Don't, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a marathon, man. That thing's good. It starts at 8.15. That thing's going to 11.30. Okay, I mean, you, you need to have something left at 10.30 Eastern. And so, um, and so. I'm trying to think back. Has there been a game this season that it felt like the Jaguars didn't have enough energy in the second half? The only game that they didn't have energy in was Detroit, and they didn't have. That's it right. From they didn't the have it from season. the yeah. get-go. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, that's right. But but the because uh, they've I'm, obviously had some serious comebacks in the yeah. second half. But it, it well, that's right. But they uh, but it's just one of those. But the point is, this isn't a setting that a lot of these players have ever played at at this level. Yeah, Trayvon and Trevor have played on it at the college level, but it's not like this. It's, the NFL is different. It is, it's just a, this will be the first experience. Well, I'm trying to go through the whole roster. I mean, not just the young guy, not just the, the rookie guys that have only played here. I mean, did Evan Ingram go? Did Evan Ingram have many crowds in New York like he's about to have? Did Christian Kirk have many crowds in Arizona like he's about to have? I mean, I mean, it, I mean, this thing is going to be. Think. I mean, it's it's going to be a it's, it's monster jam, man. I mean, this thing is going to be just absolutely insane. And I'll bet you there's going to be fireworks and this and that. No, don't. I mean, don't, I mean, I'm just thinking it's going to be something special, something different. It. I think Doug Peterson will be able to figure out exactly how to get his players to where he wants them on Saturday night. And and I do think he does such a good job of well, not very getting too that. high, not getting too low. And so I, that part I certainly am not worried about. I, the only thing that concerns me are if the Jaguars turn the ball over, whether it's, I hate to even say it out loud, but Travis Etienne has obviously had some ball security issues. Or if, if Trevor goes out, starts throwing high like we've seen multiple right, times right. this season, those are the things that make me nervous. Well, and not only, and, and, and in fairness, you got a right to feel that way. I mean, they, 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 they have, they're, they're good. They're 8-8. Eight eight. They're not... Fifteen and one, they've had they've had issues up and down, but uh, they're playing at a good level right now. So, don't get too high. People say don't get too high, too low. There could be, there's not going to be a too low. You know, the too low is taken care of. The too low, the fear of the too low was last week, and I can tell you, even as well as they played, you Hayes, I thought about this after you hit you hit it on the head. Houston checked out. What really, apparently, I haven't gone back and looked at the tape, but some of the people, a lot of people were talking about this that I didn't see it. On the ETN run, did you see Desmond King pull up? Yeah, it was like they thought it was tapped. I must have missed that. I, I, I must have missed. I, I don't. I mean, I'm calling. I'm watching the ball. Sure. So, but I. Uh, but apparently, he pulled up. Didn't even try and tackle. Just didn't even try and tackle him. And I thought there was examples of that throughout Houston. Just again, the Jaguars did not have to exert themselves. In the least. I mean, there's there's games where you'll see a lopsided game. You might see a game in the NFL where one team wins by 14. But, I mean, it was it was a brawl and intense and physical. And, you know, that, that never materialized in Houston. Houston acted like they were going through the motions, I thought, from the first snap and never got any better. Uh, and, you know, I, again, you know, the Jaguars, I didn't think, did anything really spectacular um the texans were just that bad but again that's that was ideal because it allowed doug peterson to rest a lot of guys and 
Uh, again, you're on a short week, but yeah, you're on a short week, but what'd you really have to do in Houston of, of note? Yeah, interesting stuff. So right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, more Jaguar talk coming all week long, including our big party on Friday. Right now, I trust by now, if you weren't off Friday, you've got the afternoon off. Uh, you've already made plans. You've already, if you haven't been to Strings, Thame you, but by now you've map quested it. MapQuest was awesome. I still use MapQuest. That's Do tremendous. All right. the, uh, there you go. I use all source resources. Don't you guys know that? <laughs> I'm a resource fiend. You are that. Uh, but uh, we're all going to be meeting at Strings, giving away a bunch of T-shirts, giving away two club seats to the ball game. Uh, the Roar, some of the Roar coming by, uh, some other special guests. Bigger than all of that, Johnny O is walking over. Yeah, Johnny well, O can walk over. Will he be dressed as Pennywise? I'll <laughs> <laughs> have to find out. A lot more of the Jags talk coming up. When we come back, I want to get to college football. I want to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. And what a run, uh, what a run Kirby Smart's team is on this next day with us. I don't know that we're ready for TCU right now. Based on what I just saw, we got a lot of work to do. So I don't know enough about TCU. I know I respect their coach and their program, and they did a tremendous job today, but we got to play better. Let me put something in perspective for you this Georgia football team. Ten losses is a bad season, right? College football, ten, ten, really bad season, right? Ten losses? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'd be bad. I'm sure it's what Florida's getting ready to do next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want you to talk about your Florida angst. We haven't gotten to that yet. Um, ten losses is a bad season, right? Horrendous. You know how far you have to go back to get ten total losses for the Bulldogs? Well, here's oh, what man. I'll, well, I'll tell you this. Before Kirby Smart? No, not before Kirby Smart, but I will tell you, Miles Jack was not yet not down before Georgia. You got to go back that far to get a tenth loss. Wow! Think about that for a second. That's how long it has been. You have to go that far back to to. That's how long. Well, it's zero this year. It was one last year. It was zero, zero this year. One last year. Two the year before. Okay. So three losses since nineteen. Right. Uh, two losses in nineteen. Now they were eleven and three in eighteen. Yeah, and so, but I mean, if you—that's how far back you've got to go. The uh, since the 2016, since the 2016 season. Okay, that's a long time ago. In fact, that was you weren't when that season started. You didn't work here. That's correct. Okay, so well, actually, when that season started, you didn't work here, Lauren. You didn't work here that entire season. Okay, since that year. So you're the problem. Since you started working (laughs) here, okay. But I mean, since you started working here. I'm the problem, it's me. Yeah, you are the problem, it is you. Since you started working here, Georgia is 57-5 and five in the SEC. Think about that. I mean, seriously, think about that for a second. I am writing my letter of resignation <laughs> Good. Right, Good. right Right, And by the way, and I am you will humbly and, accept and it. And I will happily accept <laughs> it. The, uh, but, I mean, think about this for a second. They are 57-5 and five in the league. Since 2017. Think about, think about that for a second. I would crack the joke, and they only have one title. Yeah. But I'm afraid that's about yeah, to change. Yeah, yeah, you, gotta, yeah. you know what? you got about five days left of that joke. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Well, look, when, again, this goes back to when you recruit at an elite level year after year after year after year, you will win at an elite level. And, you know, I think Kirby Smart's grown a lot as a game manager. I think it was a fair criticism early on. Uh, I think now uh, he's done a magnificent job. You know, I think Kirby Smart is, is you know, really grown in, in that area. And the recruiting is just sensational. I mean, it, it just, it's just sensational. 
And, and so until that stops or slows down, they're not going anywhere. And, again, I still think Georgia has upside. And, again, this isn't to take anything away from Stetson Bennett. He is a really good college player. But can you imagine if Georgia ever had Caleb Williams or if, if Georgia got the next Trevor Lawrence? If they had played Justin it, Fields? It, it, yeah, I mean, but, but – But they but, didn't need to. But yeah, but the, the, the thing about it is they've done this, and they've done it with a, a magnificent college player. But I don't think Stetson Bennett is, is the kind of athlete that keeps opposing defensive coordinators up at night. I think, you know, he's, he's super smart and savvy and very clutch. But I still think they have upside because, I mean, Georgia might have – whoever succeeds Stetson Bennett, whether it's Carson Beck or, you know, some five-star that, that they sign, that they might go through a run where they might ha- – they, they still might have the Clemson run of generational quarterback and Deshaun Watson to generational quarterback and Trevor at the collegiate level. And, and they haven't had that yet. They've had good to very good quarterback play, but they've never had the best quarterback in the country for any stretch of this. And if he keeps recruiting the way he does, eventually they will have that as well. And so I still see upside in Georgia. Uh, and, and you know that in the trenches and defensively, they're going to be fantastic, and he's always going to have Will Muschamp. So I think from a staff perspective, you know, offensively, you probably worry about that a little bit, about are you going to be able to keep your offensive staff together? And if you undergo some change there, you know, do you make the right hires? But as long as the staff has the continuity it has now, Georgia is not even coming close to slowing down. And it seems like after working for the likes of Bobby Bowden and, and obviously Nick Saban, it seems like Kirby Smart is not complacent whatsoever. So you're not going to reach that fat and happy type of attitude with him. He's going to keep recruiting at such a high level, and he's going to keep motivating his players week in and week out. And look, what's scary is if you're a five-star recruit, why would you go to Alabama in the, for the next few years until Alabama gets a new coach? You don't know, even though Nick Saban seems young We're and, getting and closer promises, to that. You are reaching the point where Nick Saban's not going to be the coach there in the next probably five years. So if you're a five-star recruit right now, a sophomore, junior, senior in high school, you're starting to think, well, I'm going to go to Georgia. And so I think Georgia's recruiting is only going to get even better as Alabama, I think, starts on this little bit of a tailspin. That's a great question. We're not there yet. They signed seven five-stars this year. They had by far the best recruiting year in the country. But you make a good point. When At some point, it happened with Coach K when he was 72, 70. At some point – Nick Saban is going to be the coach that people start saying isn't going to be there four more years. Now, they haven't hadn't happened yet, but, but it might be. How about this for a second? Georgia now, again, starting in 2017, here are their seasons. 13-2, 11-3, and 12-2, 8-2 only because it was a COVID year. That would have been a 10-2 year. 14-1, uh, 14-0. Is it possible that they could go on this stretch of this six-year dynasty that includes – Two national championships, five East championships, um, three SEC championships, and have a, and never have a quarterback win a game in the NFL. I yeah, I think that's exactly where it's headed. I mean, who would win it? I mean, Jake Fromm. Well, he's it, never going to happen. And he won, he was the first three years. Yeah. They've only had three quarterbacks now. I mean, uh, JT Daniels took over the one year, but he didn't play as much as, as Stetson Bennett did that year. 
Uh, Justin Fields played some that year, but not nearly as much as Jake Fromm did. So as far, if you look at the, who the starting quarterback was for the season, in those six years, there's been two guys, Jake Fromm for three years, Stetson Bennett for three years, who were kind of the same guy. Yeah. Very similar. I mean, Because Fanton Bata isn't in that list. <laughs> Faton, right? God, you know, I miss Faton Bata, okay? I miss the, Fondata, I miss the Faton Bata era, okay? But, but, I mean, think about this. They're gonna, it's conceivable they could have two – and, and I'm not convinced Stetson Bennett won't play some in the NFL, but it certainly the possibility exists that he never starts a game in the NFL. Clearly the possibility exists. Absolutely. They could have this incredible, incredible six-year run with, without, without ever winning a game in the NFL at quarterback. Think about that for yeah. a second. Didn't Nick Saban kind of have that at Alabama? Because their quarterbacks yeah, for a while. didn't go on. I mean, A.J. Good McCarron point. did play but at least some. They put, but McElroy McCarron played some. Some, but, but, but not, not a lot. But you're right. You're right. So it was Jacob. Uh, Jacob Coker. Was Coker. You're, good point. Certainly not very many, right? The uh, That's a very good point. It was very similar, wasn't it? And uh because maybe he figured out, yeah. I don't have to have Caleb Williams to win a national championship. I yeah. have to have everybody around and, and this quarterback to be a, a five, four-star, five-star, and fantastic. But your well, Saban evolved to yes. now you right. need he, yes. well, to And your point, Lauren, your point was a good one, and that is they won a bunch of titles, but they won more titles when they started getting – Hurts and Tua and Bryce Young. So they, they got better. But you're right. They did without it. So, But it's just, it's just amazing. Kirby Smart has done this. You said it. This, there's only been two ways. There's only two things that have happened here. It's not rocket science. Two things have happened. He recruits really good players, and they develop those dang players. It's not, it's not play calling. Not that there's anything wrong with their play calling. They're not, they're not sworn. They didn't have the best. They didn't have maybe the best defense of all time in college football last year. Because Dan Lanning knew when to blitz. Sorry, they didn't. They had the best, one of the best defense of all time, perhaps in college football last year, because they had all those players. Mickey Andrews would tell you that. When FSU was great, I mean great, great. I mean late 80s all the way through those early – late 80s through the late 90s, when FSU was just ridiculously good, ridiculously good, Mickey Andrews didn't blitz. You know what he did? He let Renard Wilson and Peter Bulware and Andre Wadsworth beat your guy. You know what he did? He let Derek Brooks and Deion Sanders, and they let them cover your guys. You know what? And when you got, when you got Corey Fuller and Corey Sawyer and Clifton Abraham and Deion Sanders and Terrell Buckley, you know what they do? They cover your guy. Does it matter what you're in? It doesn't. And, so, and I'm not saying Kirby's not a good coach, but I'm saying at some point all these NFL guys, that's how they've won it. And that's how they want. It's, it's, but it's a great run. I, I think they're going to demolish TCU. I, know, I think they're going. I think that's going to be a game that's not even close. I uh, the bad the bad thing about a the great thing about a tournament is more teams can get in. The bad things about a tournament is you really could be looking at forty five ten on, on championship night. Uh, I mean, I look TCU earned the win over Michigan, but I wish it was Georgia Michigan. But we've seen that before. Yeah. I mean, we've seen right. fifty two to twenty. We've seen forty one fourteen. It's not I mean, new. Yeah, it's it, not it new. happens. You're right. I mean, but it does feel like Monday night's going to be a laugher. Yeah, I mean, if, to if, me, I mean, if TCU wins that game, that's Villanova Georgetown. I totally agree. It, it, it would be one of the biggest upsets yeah. in college football history. So we'll see. Does the stadium uh, grass need some rain? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> probably they yeah. just put. That's in what I'm thinking, down, right? So, so we, we just put are, a little sod in the backyard, so yeah. I'm okay. Okay, yeah. there we go. Because well, it's coming pretty good now. This wow. is lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> uh, Brett Hastings is coming by in a little bit. We got sports and courts coming up in just a bit. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now time for Sports and Courts. Legal issues in the sports world with Brett Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. 
Hit back with Hastings. Our friend Brent Hastings is with us. You braved the storm out there, huh? I did. I did. Let yeah. let the rain come now. Yeah. The bad weather now. Yes. Give me an 8 o'clock kick this Saturday <laughs> night in front of America with good weather. This is the well-known storm before the calm. Is what That's right. Is. That's That's exactly I like it. That's exactly what's going on. How you doing? Good to see you. I'm doing good. Happy Got New some Year. big news. I'm in a fully committed relationship. Well, congratulations with, on with that. Trevor Lawrence. Okay. He's my ride or die, okay? And I've decided you know through sickness, you know, what? You know and yeah. health and everything, yeah. he's my guy. I was mad at 2-6 and six with yeah, these people yeah, to act like yeah. he's a bust. You could see it, and uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Most excited I've been in a long yeah, time. You know what? You, it looks like a healthy relationship. I can tell yeah, that. You, yeah, got, a little, you yeah, got a little pep in yeah. your step. Um, uh, and Frank Frangie's uh, ver, uh, you know, vernacular outkick the coverage. Yeah, you, you know, you, it's you good. Did, yeah, did. yeah. Well, Glad from, I didn't settle for, you know, yeah, Blaine Gabbard right, and all right. these others. Coming, you know? coming from someone who has, I know that phrase well. <laughs> so there's that. The question uh, is who has the better flow, yeah, Trevor yeah. or Brett? It's close. It's uh, close, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he's got the flow. Yeah, he's yeah, got the yeah, flow, yeah, yeah. you know. Hey, um, a lot of things to get to, but let's start with sad news in the, in the league. Uh, obviously, DeMar Hamlin, we hope he's okay. It's, it's, it's captured the world. Uh, every news outlet now, national ones, not just sports, are talking about that. Um, I want to talk about rescheduling because that's what we're here to talk about, what, what the right. legal. But let me start with, are there any – is this thing almost too big for the – I didn't hear anything about legal concerns regarding what happened. It looked like Cincinnati no. was so good medically and so such yeah. a good plan and – Sometimes football happens, right? Listen, you know, I think we were all shocked by the loss of Mike Leach. Yeah. Mike Leach had something similar happen to him where somebody couldn't get to him as quick, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, in, you know, in situations like this, uh, what, what what's, you worry about is if somebody stops breathing, you get cut off from oxygen, can that, those cause, you know, a whole host of brain issues, you know, and other types of stuff. You know, nobody wants to go through this, right? Not, not just this young man who we watch this in front of us in a sporting event, but anybody that you would know. But to be able to have an ambulance there that quick, to have orthopedic physicians and other people there, those are all blessings. I mean, he was in the best place he could probably be yeah. for such a you know, horrible thing to have to suffer through. I, read, I was telling these guys, I read something that said that next to a hospital, a football field is the best place to have a heart attack if you're going to have one. Because football is such a violent game, there's more medical uh, help there than anywhere between ambulances and equipment, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, trainers, the teams, and everybody should be commended, you know. And what I do, horrible things happen to people, like car crashes, all kinds of stuff. And so sometimes I can have a disproportionate, you know, view of reality as it relates to it. And when you think about it, it really is a blessing that we haven't seen this happen yeah, more right. in games, right? You know, my, my sons were going, Dad, have you ever seen anything like this? And I said, not really. You know, yeah. I kind of thought of Keontae Johnson, and, you know, I didn't see it. It wasn't something that happened in front of us, but I thought of Hank Gathers. I yeah. think they ended up canceling that basketball tournament, you know, once that happened. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's at least a good thing, you yeah. know. But it was obviously it was a super sad moment, um, you know. It put things into perspective. And I've always said sports are one of the most important things in our world because they're absolutely, totally unimportant, right? Yeah, it right. is still a game. Yeah. And yeah. I was pumped, and I wanted to see seedings. And, you know, we had just finished our fantasy thing, but I had friends that had their fantasies. So we're all watching this game, and it's the last day of the holidays. And then all of a sudden, you get a real dose of perspective, yeah, right? Yeah. You're like, wow, you it, know? And, and I didn't a, want to see a football game at that point, you yeah, know? Yeah, what we consider, what we've always called tragic injury, injuries in sports, 
or Achilles or ACLs and end careers. Well, that's not tragic. We, we, right. we got a better idea what's tragic or what could be. Um, so tell me about the rescheduling possibilities. What are the legalities of this? Well, really everything sort of vested with Roger Goodell. Okay, so you go to the rule book. Uh, went in to look. There's a Rule 17 that goes under Article 4, and it's entitled Emergencies, Unfair Acts, and the NFL. And it says that if it's deemed impossible to continue a game due to an emergency, right? And the language is really indicative of something involving weather, but it gives pretty broad discretion. And it looks to me like it, I would think, you know, sort of post 9-11 or something else that they wanted broad language to be able to give some discretion for things that we never thought, you know, that we would sort of anticipate. There's nothing specifically in the NFL rules that I saw that dealt with, you know, a player injury being the reason not to go forward with the game, but it appeared to be, you know, uh, within his discretion. So, you know, obviously it sounded like the teams agreed on this as it related. Uh, I have no doubt Roger Goodell ultimately made the decision. You know, they had called into the league, and then he kind of went ahead and figured that out. Now, what I think was interesting, if you go back and you look in Article 9, the NFL rulebook talks about makeup dates, and it says that if it's impossible to schedule the game within two days after the original date, the commissioner will try to schedule it on a Tuesday of the next calendar week in which the two involved play other clubs, and then they, they allow the commissioner to have a little bit of discretion if he thinks by doing that it will create competitive inequities, right? And so I think that would be going, well, they got to fly to London or come yeah. here or a whole host of issues to be able to weigh it and to get it into it. I mean – I don't know what they're going to do. I think at this point they're probably going to – everybody's going to talk and say, we're going to handle it this way. We're, we're not going to play the game. Uh, we may not count it against people. I was trying right. to think of how would you do that. Do you treat them as ties? That's not necessarily right. Say we'll I flip a coin by, and figure out the other things. Percentage of wins is what I think they'll do. Yeah. Brad, as far as what if Roger Goodell had said – we need to play this game because of all of the circumstances surrounding it, the seating, it's the end of the year, we don't have more time, it's week 18, all that stuff. What if he had said we want to play, we have to play the game? What then could the teams have done? Could they have said, no, we're not playing the game and, and we'll bring our lawyers into it if we have to? Yeah, I mean, you can't, couldn't force them to go and play. I don't think you would be able to resolve it legally, you know, in, in any short matter of time, you know, or what have you. Uh, listen, they weren't going to play that game. Yeah. You know, you'd even heard this, get ready, let's get five minutes and go back yeah. out. I'm still interested as to whether or not there was a conversation that would have taken place, you know, in regard to that. But we live in a different world now, right? And Roger Goodell and the NFL, they really worry about the court of public opinion, right? What were the bills wearing? Choose love on the back of their helmets, you know, each yeah, of these yeah. other things. And so I think they knew just sort of from a human perspective – we're not going to go forward with this. And, uh, you know, if the players went out, I don't think anybody would ultimately file a lawsuit or do anything else. I think it ultimately get handled exactly as to how, you know, it's going to go get handled. I, I have a question not related to Hamlin, but it is NFL-oriented. We've seen so many players come out and say, we want grass fields. These turf fields are ridiculous. These owners have way too much money for us to be playing on this turf. We're blowing out our knees, our Achilles. We want natural grass. If enough players got together, could they 
have a case at all uh, uh, with owners and try to force their hand legally I think to a go grievance, to grass fields? I think a grievance got filed after the last week for one of the fields, you know, where it was frozen and so yeah. hard. So that would be something that you would see handled through the grievance process by, you know, the NFL Players Association, the union together with the league, you when, know? When you have, when you have organized labor that, that helps you have solidarity in, in a cause, obviously. Right, strength in but, numbers. But does it hurt you when one person wants to complain about this? And management says, no, no, your union agreed to it. I mean, is it work? it's got to work both ways, right? Well, you know, we've talked about it a lot, and it seems like this sort of uh, intimidating, right, legal term. But you, you hear the CBA, right, the Collective Bargaining Agreement. And what is that? And that, you can think of that as a master contract. That's the contract between the players and the teams. And that, that lays out the grievance processes. It lays out all of those things. So that's where those rules are, right? And so when you get all of those benefits, right, you know, what did we see happen uh, two CBAs ago? The veterans are the player reps, right? And they didn't want to see the Sam Bradfords of the world, who's the last guy, I think, who got huge money, you know, in the first round of it. And they transferred that money, you know, to, to the veteran players. Well, that was sort of their big bargaining term. And really what the, the, the NFL shot back on is kind of, greater controls on those grievance process or whatever. And so to answer that question, you are pretty much bound right, by that contract. Right. And so you can't really go rogue, you know. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this. The NFL has a ton of money, yeah. more than any individual player. So you don't really want to go out and litigate solely yourself against them, right? Yeah, yeah. So well, well, you yeah. want you, you to have those strength and numbers for that stuff to go well, or they're going to wear you out, you know, well, yeah. financially and mentally and everything else. And here's why the NFL has more money, because forget the league. No matter how there's – no, there's no active players who are billionaires. Right. There's a bunch of owners who are billionaires. Right. There's a bunch of those. By the way, our friend Matthew Driscoll from UNF. Thank you, Matthew. Great point. Made a great point. He said, what we learned from COVID, you can cancel games and still move on and still have a, still right. have a postseason and still have yeah. a playoff. I mean, I mean, you can, we learned that because we had to cancel a bunch of them. Right. And we still had playoffs and tournaments and, and, and the like. So it's, it's, that's well, and I think that's why a lot of people thought the game would move to Tuesday night because we saw games even move to Wednesday during COVID, even yeah. in the NFL, yeah. based off of getting those teams healthy and through protocols. So that's why I think a lot of people yeah. were surprised when they saw Buffalo going, the Bills going back to Buffalo because right. they thought, I thought they'd stay here and, and have Well, I thought it was interesting it was a Tuesday night, but I think that was clearly something that – you know, everybody felt like we have to have a certain number of days, whether it's this film yeah. day, a right. implementation right. day or whatever, you know, and that's probably to a certain extent the way when you come out of a Sunday and get a Thursday game. Right. You know, because what would we talk about here locally? You know, the staff would rather have another day to prepare. You know, and I don't want to do anything my staff doesn't like, but I'm here for a Saturday night game. Right. So, yeah, th this is a college football question, but. You don't get to talk about college football. Why not? 57 and 5. 57 and 5. Well, I have a legitimate college football question. I need your expertise. Okay. Can I sue Florida for taking Graham Mertz? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. That's, That's a yes. That, I, and he'll represent you. I think we have an intentional infliction of emotional distress claim. At a minimum, we'll get, we, you know, we could get it on negligence. Okay, you know, All when right. we got Austin Reed and yeah, the Grayson yeah. McCall out there, you know. All right. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about Graham Mertz next segment. Do you know that? All right. He's coming up next segment. Uh, Brett Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. Congratulations on your committed relationship. Yeah. Okay, I'm you, excited. You should I'm be excited, very excited about you know. it. You two make a great pair. Yeah. 
Um, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate Take care. it. Uh, that's Brett Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. We're going to talk college football. Hayes Carline is going to tell you where he stands as a Gator fan and how he feels about the current state of Gator football. Uh, and I'm going to have a, a thought or two about that as well. Lauren will as well. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the Frangie Show live here at Island Wing Company on Southside Boulevard. The lovely storm that we had has passed. So come fast, on out. It was fast. And so it's going to be just a fantastic evening here for you to get coconut shrimp or wings or whatever floats your boat. Well, Hayes Carlin loves the Jaguars and where the Jaguars are headed, but not so much the Florida Gators. Hayes, take it away. All rise. Now, Hayes Carline's closing argument. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Presented by the personal injury law firm of Harrell and Harrell. Order. I will admit that I have been very spoiled in my 46 years of being a Florida Gators football fan. Very spoiled. But I have never been more despondent about the program and where its place is than I am right now. Florida is 6-7 and seven again, and look at the landscape. Georgia is about to repeat as national champion. Tennessee is going to finish in the top five with a brilliant offensive-minded head coach. They didn't have their star quarterback. They didn't have two star receivers, and they still beat Clemson. Florida State wins 10 games. They're going to probably finish in the top 10. Florida is going to go into 2023, and I don't think it would be stunning if they were a touchdown or worse underdog to all three of these teams. And, oh, by the way, you've got to go to Utah in the opener and play LSU. Look, I like Billy Napier signing class. Uh, I think he did a good job with it. But you can't give me Graham Mertz out of the portal and his 59.5% completion percentage. Uh, over a three-year career and expect me to be even remotely optimistic about where, at least for the next year, the Gators are going to be on the football field compared to the Dogs, the Vols, and the Knolls. I think it's well said. The thing is, once you realized how bad of a recruiter Dan Mullen was, you had to understand the next few years were going to be terrible. And that is where I think Billy Napier inherited a program that has an awful roster. And I think eventually he will have the program headed in the right direction. The other SEC teams that you just mentioned, and then, of course, FSU as well, they are in better places than Florida is. But I'm not worried about the future of Florida football. Short term, yes, it's going to be messy. Long term, I'm very excited. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with both of you in a bit. But I'm also going to go ahead and make this the 10-10 take. The 10-10 take is brought to you by Batteries Plus. Power it, light it, fix it with eight Jacksonville locations. Here's my 10-10 take. I'll bet you, and I'm very serious about this, you're going to like Graham Mertz at the end more than you think. Stay with me. And I may, be, I may have lost my mind, and I may be Gator Homer guy reaching. I, I, honestly, I may be. But I did a little deep dive, okay? You know, I learned that from Urban. <coughs> We're deep dive people. Paul Christ. that's the only thing you learned from Urban. <laughs> Paul Christ was the coach at Wisconsin for eight years, okay? And he had some good years. They, they were 13-1 and one, one year, went to the Rose Bowl, went to three New Year's Six Bowls, had double-digit wins four times in those eight years. In his eight years, every quarterback had virtually the same numbers other than one time. Joel Stave, Alex Hornibrook, remember him. Um, 
They had a guy named Jack Cohn who got sat for three years and had one good year and then raced to Notre Dame the next year. Hornybrook couldn't wait to get to Florida State, even though he wasn't very good. Graham Mertz couldn't wait to get to Florida. In those eight years, Wisconsin quarterbacks, every year but one, had had double-digit interceptions. In those eight years, every Wisconsin quarterback, every year but one, had negative rushing yards. In those eight years, other than the one year, Every percentage was between 57 and 61. Every quarterback, every time. Every touchdown to interception ratio was double digits to double digits. 15 to 11, 19 to 12. The best of those, other than the one year Jack Cohn had, was last year Graham Mertz 19 and 10. I went back. I'm deep diving. So I actually, part of the deep dive is I went and watched video. Kind of bored. Uh, and I don't watch much Big Ten football, and I darn sure don't watch much Wisconsin football. Every year, including last year, they run most of the time under center. Who is left in college football that goes under center almost all of the time with two receivers, sometimes three? Who does that? Now, it worked, because you know why it worked? Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon. Dario Gumbawale was a good college back. Corey Clement. So they had great defense. They had great running backs, and they ran the ball out of the eye. I mean the eye, man. Offset eye. Iso plays. Toss sweep. Think Pat Dye, 1985. That's what they ran. That doesn't mean, oh, all of a sudden, Graham Mertz goes to another offense, and he's all of a sudden going to be Caleb Williams. I'm not pretending that. But I wonder, Billy Napier's not an idiot. It, it, the, the book on him across the board is he recognizes talent. It's not a coincidence that the four best offensive players, Ricky Pearsall, Osiris Torrance, uh, Montreal Johnson, and, and Trevor Etienne, were all guys he brought in. The guys he brought in were the better players on the roster for the most part. I'll, and then I watched tape of Mertz. He throws a beautiful ball. He's not a statue. I think, And I'm not saying he's going to be good. Alex Hornerbrook, he could have said the same things about him, went to FSU and wasn't very good. Now, he went to a bad era of FSU football, but he wasn't very good. I'll bet you Mertz is better than people think. Not great. I mean, he'll be way more Jackson Dart than he will be um, Hendon Hooker. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to miss but I'm, but I'm serious about this. I'll bet you he's better in this offense with a shotgun, God forbid, the shotgun. Four receivers on the field together, God forbid that, than he was at Wisconsin. I, I We'll see. You know, I mean, I mean, and again, part of that is I'm a Florida guy and I want to believe that. You know, sometimes sometimes we, we talk ourselves into things we want to have happen. But I'll bet if you really look, this guy was a four-star. This guy threw five touchdowns in that Under Armour All-American game. ESPN had him as the 21st best player in the country, not quarterback, 21st best player in the country, third best quarterback oh you can miss I mean I get that I'll bet you and he started 32 games this this is a guy that this guy's thrown for over 5,000 yards he's so he's thrown 36 touchdowns in college I'll bet it's not the disaster you think I could be you know what I mean I, I could be way wrong but I'll bet it's not the disaster but I'll that's bet it, just one position and the reason oh I'm yeah. concerned about the short term is Oh, yeah. No, I said at the top. All the other players. I, I said at the top, I agree with both of you. Yeah. I, I don't think their team's going to win a lot of games next year. I think they're a 6-7-8 win team. I, I don't think they're – I'd love to tell you they're 10 or – I don't think they are. No, I, I don't disagree with you. 
But I'll bet you because all the attention, what we all did is we all, and I'm, and I'm the, I led the charge. We all got excited about Sam Hartman and Michael Pratt and, and Drake May, even though he wasn't leaving, and, and all these guys. And we got so caught up in all these guys that, we, that when, we, when it's some guy from freaking Wisconsin, are you kidding me, that nobody else wanted? What the hell are we doing? So I, so I tried to research it and read about it and watch it just to learn more about the answer to the question when we were with Denny yesterday because Denny's puzzled by it. So, but they could have had Jeff Sims and Austin Reed, two guys, that, that Denny, Denny's guys. They probably could have had a bunch of other guys, but they picked this guy. So 32 career starts, 19 career wins, played in a Power 5, in a very good Power 5 conference his whole time, a three-year starter. By the way, and you may not want to hear this, two years eligibility remaining, okay? So last night when I was bored, I also watched Rashada. Mm-hmm. Rashada's got some work to do now. He weighs about 100 pounds. Did you watch any of that Inner Armour game? Did you watch a little bit of it? Mm-hmm. It's a skinny cat. Yeah, I mean, that's not a good answer no, either. Yeah, Starting no. a true freshman. No, no, and they're not going and, to. And they're, expecting Graham to win nine games. The guy that started 32 games in the Big Ten is going to be their quarterback, barring injury. He's going to be their quarterback. Again, I'm not – but I think it's – I believe this is way more of a Jackson Dart, Keaton Slovis stopgap than it is an unmitigated disaster. That, that's my guess. I hope you're right um, because the, the schedule is brutal. And it's brutal in 2024, too. Uh, it almost makes you wonder, did Billy Napier look at the 2023 or 22, 23, and 24 football schedules when he took this job? Because Florida's going to have to have a lot of patience. Uh, I mean, it is not – I mean, again, you've got at Utah and Florida State in Gainesville as you're at a conference next year. And, oh, by the way, you play in the SEC. And in 2024 – you play Miami, who certainly should have a very talented roster if they right. keep going on the recruiting trail like they're going. Yeah. You've got UCF, who's now in a major conference, coming to Gainesville with a massive chip on their shoulder. And you've got a trip to Tallahassee. That's your non-conference in 2024. I mean, I don't know who thought this was a good idea, but it is, I, I absolutely think there is a recipe that Florida, you look up and we're having this conversation, God yeah. willing, in two years, and it's like, all right, I mean, what, how much of this do you put on Billy Napier? How yeah. much do you put it on impossible you know, schedules for basically all three of his years? I, I just – I cannot foresee Florida getting back to any kind of near contending level for at least two more full football and, and that could be, by the way. I mean, they, they finished 10th in recruiting. They put together three top ten recruiting classes. They're going to be good at some point. But to your point, it may be a while. If Florida had gotten Sam Hartman, how different would you feel about the football team? I'd have them going 15 and 0. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good question. We'd all feel better. I'd feel Matt much Paulus better. says relax. We, we, by the way, right? We, 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 <laughs> With Grandpa's we, coming yeah, in from Wisconsin. We, 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 we'd all we'd all feel better. Like I said, the guy might be terrible, but Matt, I love you, and I know you're listening. But I went back and watched that Wisconsin offense. And I'm not sure it mattered who the quarterback was. They were in an I formation. I mean, I had to make. I'm not. I'm not making this up. At one point on my YouTube, I had to make sure I was going through 2019, not 1999. I mean, who runs the I formation offset I most of the time? So everyone does it. Some. Everyone, you, all quarterbacks go under center. Some. But do Is even that what the triple option teams do? do? do, do 
Well, but that's not eye formation. That's yeah. all gimmicky. That's one back and two right. wings. And I mean, does NFL team, is there any NFL team left that's under center more than half the time? I don't think so. There's nobody. Nobody left. Wisconsin, he's going up on it at center. And you know what's going to be in the game? Fullback. You know what else going to be in? Blocking tight end and two receivers. I mean, I thought it was Johnny Unitas throwing to Jimmy Orr <laughs> back in the 60s. So, so I think, again, that doesn't mean this guy's going to. Alex Hornibrook thought he'd get away from that and go be great at FSU, and he was no good. So that doesn't mean he's going to be any good. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you he's on his way to New York for the Heisman. Yeah. I am telling you I don't think it's going to be. It doesn't feel like it's going to be disastrous to me after watching the guy. So we'll see. Well, when the Utah-Florida line comes out, yeah. I'm taking the Utes and giving the points. You're laying the 17? <laughs> you're you're going to go gonna go ahead and lay the 17? So, so, so we'll see. Again, I And Cam Rising, I'm assuming, is coming back to Utah. There's been no word well, of him limp, leaving, right? He's limping back if he does. I mean, yeah. he was really, he's really beat up. That knee apparently is really bad. Yeah, I wonder the same thing, too. But I got to think, is there holding out hope that there's another quarterback coming to Denny even thinks there might be? I don't think so. I don't think Graham Mertz, who, by the way, has got two years' eligibility remaining, if I hadn't said that already. Um, I don't <laughs> – wanted to share that with you. I, I don't, it's too bad it's not three. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Graham Mertz agrees to come to Florida if they're bringing in somebody I agree. else. He, he, he's, he could have gone to eastern Kentucky. I mean, he could have gone wherever – it's smaller, you know. He could, maybe he didn't have a lot of big offers, so so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what winds up happening. I mean, I tell you what, like it or not, it's a better option than Jack Downtown Miller, um, Max Brown, Max Brown, or whatever. I'm just disappointed. Max Mfinger, whoever yeah, it is. Right. Uh, I'm Max just, Weinberg. I'm I mean, just disappointed that Florida didn't go after Sam Hartman and basically slide a blank check yeah. across well, the table well, and say, fill in your number. Because we need you well, to be our starter to, to, next To year. your point, and you've, and you've been consistent on this, it doesn't feel like Florida went and found millions and millions and millions to go get the best guy right now. Now, maybe that's part of a plan. Maybe it's an elongated plan. Maybe Napier said, I'm going to save some of those dollars because no matter how many of those guys I got, we weren't going to be very good next year against that schedule. You know, and I don't know that. But, I, but, I, but I, it, it certainly doesn't appear as though they did that this year. Uh, for this year's team, so so we'll see. And again, I, we don't know that it's all done, but I, but but my take is, the, is it, it isn't even about the team or how the team will be. I'll bet Graham Mertz again, thirty-two starts now. He started thirty-two games in the Big Ten. I'll bet he's not as. I bet it's not the disaster people think. So we'll see. We'll take a break. Let's get back to Jaguars football when we return. Oh, there's a big one in the bank on Saturday. More talk about that. Stay with us. One hour to go here, live from Island Wing Company on this Wednesday. Thanks to our friends at the Kitchen and Flooring Design Center. Always a Wednesday sponsor around here. The best place. If you want uh, new kitchen or bathrooms or closets, gosh, flooring. They've done it all for us. They can do it for you, and nobody does nobody does a better job than the Kitchen and Flooring Design Center. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks with you. Andrew Gibson back in World Headquarters. Uh, we are at hump day of a week that's going to be so much fun. Saturday night in the bank. Uh, the arch rival Titans versus the Jags. I want to remind you, of the big party is on Friday. Come hang out with us at Strings from 3 to 6. Our friends from the Jags will stop by. We think some members of the Roar will be there. Johnny O's going to come join us for a while. Uh, we're hanging out. We've got a T-shirt giveaway. You're going to love them. A teal T-shirt. Compliments of our friends at Big Chief Tire Company. It's a Big Chief Tire Friday always. So uh, they're providing the T-shirts, and you're going to absolutely love them. They address the Titans. Can I say that? That's what I'm going to tell you. They address the I Titans. I think that's a perfect way I to think say you're gonna, it. Is it safe to say people are going to love those T-shirts? I think so. They're, you're going to love those T-shirts. Very confident. Yeah, very confident. So, uh, so come out and get them. 100, we're giving away 100 of them. 
and uh, we're glad you're going to be part of it. So it's going to be an awful lot of fun. So come hang out with us at Strings. The uh, how's the game going to go? Uh, it'll be kind of sloppy early because I think the Jaguars will have to get settled in to the moment. Um, I do think early on it might affect them in a negative fashion more than positive. Um, the stakes, the pressure, the spotlight. Uh, but I think they get settled in. And, and look, I think Tennessee, I think for Tennessee, this is Mike Vrabel telling his club, this is an echo to the whistle game. You know, this I is a too. game where we are going to just beat them up. Uh, they might have a talent edge. They might have a schematic edge. But it's not going to matter because this is football, and we are just going to kick their butt for 60 minutes. And, uh, and so I, I think I – think, and, and Tennessee will embrace that. Uh, and so it will be incredibly intense early on. Uh, I think into the first quarter, it's 3 nothing Jaguars. Uh, but I think as you go into halftime and as the game progresses, I think eventually the talent is going to win out. And I think – you know, I, I see it Jaguars 20, Titans 9, you know, that kind of a game. I, I would be surprised if the Jaguars score in the 30s. That would really impress me if they're able to do that uh, like they did in the first meeting. But I, I just can't see the Titans and, and all the limitations that they have offensively uh, when you get beyond Derrick Henry. Terrible offensive line. A quarterback that's really never played in the NFL in his six years. Uh, I'd say a, a subpar receiving core, and that might be kind. I like their rookie tight end. Yeah, he's a uh, kid from I, Maryland, I, very good I, I like him, but, uh, you know, and, and he might be somebody to watch in, in years to come. But I, I, just think, I just think the Jaguars are going to slow down Derrick Henry enough to where it's going to be really hard for the Titans to sustain anything. Uh, so, yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it takes a while for the Jaguars to get going, but I think when there's five minutes left in the game, it's a huge party atmosphere because it'll be a big enough of a spread that fans will feel very confident that the Jaguars are going to win the AFC South title. Yeah, I see it like Jaguars 28, Titans 10. I don't see them like Hayes. I don't see the Titans able to score that much. And I do think the Jaguars in the first half take control of this game. And I think by halftime you realize the Jaguars are going to win the AFC South. They're going to the playoffs and people are trying to figure out who the Jaguars are going to play the next week. The, uh, the first thing you said, Hayes, the very first comment you made is right. The Titans, Mike Vrabel's a tough guy, man. He's the ultimate tough guy, and he wants his teams playing tough. And if you're not a tough guy, you can't play on his team. I mean, that's who he is. And I promise you, to your point, Mike Vrabel has made it very clear that we are going to hit him in the mouth. He knows we can't pitch and catch with him. There's, I mean, you don't have to be a football analyst to know that Josh Dobbs and whoever their wide receivers are aren't going to pitch it and catch it the way the Jaguars are. We all know that. He also knows he's got a great running back. And so they are going to try and make it physical, tough. There's probably going to be some flags, some personal foul fly. There's probably gonna be, and I'm not saying they're a dirty team because I don't think the Titans are a dirty team. But I think there's going to be – it's a physical who can, who can out-tough who. There's some games you have to play dirty. Yeah. And for Tennessee, I think this is a game where you kind of have to embrace that a little yeah, bit. And, and they're going and, and it and Mike Vrabel's going to. It's going to be us against the world. It's going to be seventy thousand or sixty-eight thousand people there screaming their lungs out. Um, 
unlike other games that have been sold out here, there won't be many Titan fans. I mean, it'll be a very, very small smattering of anybody coming here from Tennessee. It'll be 67,000 Jaguars. Why would you come to Jackson for this game if you're a Tennessee fan? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, because if you're going to go to a game – if they lose, you're you're glad you didn't go. Right. And if they win, you get the home game Correct. next week. So yeah. So there's, there's so Tennessee fans aren't coming. So now, it's going to be packed with Jaguar fans. The first time the Jaguars played the Titans, Doug Peterson showed the Jaguars team, his players, a Tennessee hate video. Right. Like why we hate the Titans and all that. What do you think Doug Peterson does this week ahead of this game? What makes him so good is we never know. Uh, I think the big thing in this, I think he's gotten that part across. I think his biggest challenge this week, I don't know if it's a, a gimmick of a video or whatnot, I think the biggest challenge he's got this week is to keep them calm. Is to, Last week the biggest challenge was stay focused. Don't look ahead to the Tennessee game. Don't look past the, the Texans. Stay focused. Be focused this week. Don't be distracted. Don't be looking ahead. And frankly, I think they were looking ahead a little bit. I, don't, I didn't think they played a great game. I thought they were distracted a bit. I, I, I really did. But they played well enough to win and win convincingly. I think it's just the opposite this week. Don't be so caught up in the moment, so caught up in the crowd, and, and night games are fun, and, and you're the only game on, and they know Bucket Aikman are in the press box. You think they don't know who's in the broadcast booth? These guys follow the league. This is ESPN and Bucket and Aikman and Saturday night and national television and winner takes all and loser leave town match and, and – all the hype and it'll be noisy and loud and fireworks and lights and crazy. And I think the biggest challenge Doug Peterson will have is don't let his guys get too caught up in that. Do you think? I, it's I think a that's good, the big, sorry, big thing. Do you think it's a good thing, Hayes, that the Jaguars just played a night game up in New York? Yeah, it can't. It can't hurt. You that's a good point. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, they just had this kind of schedule. Granted, Thursday's totally different than Saturday, but still, you know what your day looks like ahead of a night yeah, game. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. It can't can't do anything but help. You know, the fact that they've gone through it. But I, I still think this moment is going to be radically different than anything they've ever experienced as a team. Radically and different. I, and that's what I think is going to be a challenge. And that's what he's got to manage. You know, guys get excited. I, I mean, when, when they're, you want to run out there early and warm up early. You want to get out there and get sprinting and hear the cheers because that place is good. They're going to be in those seats early. And when you get out there early, you want to – I mean, I mean that, that you, you can't wait to get out there, man. Well, that's what you got to manage is calm down. Don't, well, you don't want to be out of gas by the middle of the second quarter. And, and again, this is, these are young guys. And I'll say it, I said this at the top of the program. I am amazed at what a great job he does in managing the psychology and managing the emotion of his team. And I told him that today. I said, Doug, I got to tell you, bro, you, are, you have done such a marvelous job of managing the emotions and managing the psychology of a young football. He said, man, I appreciate that. But, but I really believed it. I, I really think he has done a magnificent job of that. You knew he could call plays. Hell, he might be even better than that than I thought. But, I mean, you knew he was a good play caller. You knew he was a good quarterback's coach. But head coaching is hard. What makes Bill Belichick great and Andy Reid great and Sean Payton great is not necessarily their X's and O's knowledge. That, that's the foundation of it. It's the ability to manage people and to manage in the NFL and pro sports today that generally means young people, you know, and, and young people in a setting, to your point a moment ago, that are in a situation that they haven't been in before, you know. So I, uh, I, I'm, telling, I'm telling you, I am overwhelmingly impressed with the way, he is, the way he has done that. So I think he's done a great, great job of that. I, I really do. I think it's one of, the, one of the best coaching jobs I've seen 
and managing people uh, in a long, long time. I really think it is. So, all right. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, other things to get to, other NFL games to keep an eye on. That and more we continue at 1010XL 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the program. Glad you're with us. Do want to thank our friends from the Kitchen Flooring Design Center. Man, if you want your home remodeled any way, shape, or form, uh, floors, kitchens, bathrooms, they do it all. Our friends at the Kitchen Flooring Design Center, they've done Lauren's home, our home, and they certainly can do a great job with yours. Two segments left to go from Island Wing Company. Man, good crowd in here as always. Good to see some of the folks we know coming in, rolling into this place. Now the storm is behind us. I have a question. Okay. Uh, the Jaguars long snapper, Ross Matisic. Matisic. He has not practiced yesterday or today. Should I be concerned? Yes. Uh, yeah, they, they, they brought in they a veteran have a practice guy. practice squad guy. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. He's I a, did not see that. They brought in a practice squad. Yeah, okay. I think a yeah. week ago. And a veteran okay. guy that's been around. Uh, I saw Taco Charlton is now here. Yeah, yeah. But, he, uh, but yeah, the uh, – He yeah. knows, so it's nothing to do with he knows where to go to get a ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, the, uh, uh, yeah, that back, he's having, he, some days he's had trouble just walking around. Oh, wow. But, but I didn't like, realize yeah, it was Ross that bad. Had, yeah, he's, he's had – Again, he's trying. He's trying like crazy to work through it. But yeah, okay. he's, he's, had some, he's had some issues. Yeah, that's the two games ago when all the high snaps, you could kind of tell there was some. Remember that? Not last two weeks the ago. The Jets game? Yeah, because I kept saying high snap, high snap. You know, high snap, Logan gets it down. High snap. And I Logan. guess I assumed that was rain uh, Well, at the time, I prob- in the pro- at the time, I probably did too. Right. But since then, you know that, so, so we'll see. Hey, have you seen where they the, the league, by the way, has not announced whether or not they will make up the Bills-Bengals game. My guess is that they will not. And, again, Matthew Driscoll made a great point when he called the program. COVID showed us you can move on without it. You can just go by winning percentages. The world isn't going to come to an end. I now read today that there's a chance that the season-ending game that means everything between the Bills and the Patriots in terms of playoff seedings and getting in also could be postponed. Have you seen this? Now, they may not postpone it at the end of the day, but there's at least talk today, I read, where there's a chance they could at least temporarily postpone Bills and Patriots because of what the Bills players are going through. Yeah, and this is where it gets, you know, really delicate, you know, to talk about what should or should not be done. Um, I would like to think that they would be able to play the Patriots game. Because um, we've had a, an update that yeah. is going to be just fine. Well, I don't know. And that I don't we've know we've had, had that. that update. Yeah, I don't know. We've no, had I'm that. saying that you're oh. hopeful we might have that. Oh, yeah. Did you get that? Yeah, I got you. Certainly, you hope the, you have that news come in, and uh, you know, and, and maybe you could push it out to Monday. And, and certainly, if you're Buffalo, if any players don't feel like playing, uh, you know, you understand that, and hopefully, they would be able to just be inactive for the game. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, I, I think they're gonna. From a competitive standpoint, I think you're gonna. You can you can get away with having one game vacated. I don't know that you can get away with having two games vacated, both of which have monumental playoff implications. The the Cincinnati Buffalo one is really just about seating. They're both in. You know, if if you give. Uh, the Buffalo New England game will affect who actually gets in to the tournament. And that's a game that I, I you know, again, Buffalo's going to steer the ship as they should. Uh, they're the ones that are dealing with this, you know, just unbelievably sad story. But I would think the league would try to have the Buffalo New England game played. But yes, your point's a great one. If you get a 
fantastic update on Hamlin's condition, it might make it easier, you know, for the team to get out there and compete. This is very extreme, and I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just bringing it up because it's we bring up everything as we try and kind of piece through this a bit. But is there a chance that if they just don't feel like the Bills emotionally can play a game, that they would – you do have a week between the Super Bowl and the playoffs. Would they back everything up? I wouldn't think so. I don't think With so. With stadiums already reserved and tickets purchased, that's probably a reach. But, again, I'm just trying to think through yeah. everything here. Is there a way you'd back everything up I, after, the, after the regular season and play one game next week? Wouldn't make that sense. So would that, that and if the Bills be forfeited? Hard, it'd be hard to do that. If the Bills forfeited, that gives New England the victory automatically. Yeah, yeah well, they'll never do that. They'll, they'll never penalize the Bills. I mean, so, so they're not going to – I mean, the Bills aren't going to say there, – there's no chance of a forfeit. There's no chance that they'll they'll say the Bills are saying we're not playing just to give it. That, that nobody would do that. They, but uh, but so I guess if they don't play, I think you're probably right. I guess the bottom line is they'll probably play. But I guess the one thing they could do is back it up a day. Now that really it doesn't have a great effect on the Bills if they're are the Bills automatically. A two, I guess they're not. They're not. The Bills are fighting for home field, but they've won their division. They're yeah. in. But they're not. not becomes, they're not automatically a one or two seed. Correct. Because of the Bengals' presence. That's right. Yeah. And so Good point. you know what what affects the Bills Patriots game is actually who is going to be in the playoffs and who is not. The Patriots are in as of now, but they've got to beat Buffalo to hold on to that spot, uh, you know, and, and again, or, you know, if, if the game is vacated, then they don't lose. So it eliminates, like, the Dolphins, the right. Steelers. It eliminates the outside chance the Jaguars could lose Saturday night but still get in as the seventh seed. All that goes away if you just give New England basically the, the free pass from a vacated game against the Bills. So that's why I think they're going to they're gonna – I think have to play the Buffalo New England game and probably right. on Sunday and probably on Sunday. Yeah, prob- um, Pelissero said as of now, there's not been a conversation about that game not happening. Okay, they so have not even had that conversation. So whatever I read must have been. Well, but no, they Troy Vincent said basically Sean McDermott does get to decide. They're they're going to leave the decision in his hands as to how things move, but they haven't made that decision yet. But I do think this all goes back to waiting to see how DeMar Hamlin is. I do too. And, and waiting to see if they're able to get the positive update like we've gotten last night and yeah. today. And you're right about one thing, Lauren. You said it. If you get a, like a legitimately um, he's out of the woods update, then I think you carry on. I, I think what if there's trepidation about any of it, a make-up or, or a continue on, is how does the league, how do the teams, how do the Bills deal with it if he doesn't make it? I, I, think, I think that's the – that's the cons- one of the concerns you have right now is what would happen league wide and what would be the right thing to happen. I, again, I, I will. I, I thought one of the poignant, powerful comments is when Zach Taylor um, told to, in his media said the first thing Sean said to me is, uh, "I don't need to be coaching this game. I need to be at the hospital with Demar." That was powerful, man. I mean, that was a that's a guy that's a leader there. He wants to go to the hospital with his guy not sit here and coach the game. And if it happened, if something awful like that happened here, I would expect Doug Peterson to do the exact same thing. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. A good leader wants to be with his people. These guys, the good ones really do care about those guys. They really do. So having said all that, Hayes, which games have your attention this week? Of the most, uh, 
of all the ones. Yeah, on he's the tell me which way you're leaning on certain NFL <laughs> yeah. games. This I can't. Week. I love the Packers <laughs> to take down the Lions. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you which games are on this guy. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. What I really want to do. What I'm enjoying since I've got no other thrills since Gibby and I got our butts kicked is at least holding out which games they are is holding that over y'all's head. It's all I got left, okay? So what games have your attention? Well, I think, you know, Green Bay, Detroit. It, you know, the Packers are sizzling, and Aaron Rodgers is, is certainly finding his form. And, you know, boy, if Green Bay can, can find their way in, uh, they are obviously a very dangerous team. They have an unbelievable pedigree. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think you'd have to favor Green Bay, you know, but the Lions have had a great – season by their standards their offense has certainly been a surprise uh they will create a lot of problems for green bay but with it being in lambo you have to think that that's going to end with you know aaron Rodgers, you know celebrating another playoff appearance and and the lions again getting their hopes dashed and and being left out so that to me i think is is one i'm really intrigued by cincinnati baltimore is interesting if lamar is active but really, the, still no the, the Ravens, frankly, when he doesn't play, they're incredibly hard to watch. I mean, it, they just cannot come close to replicating what they do with Lamar Jackson. And, and Tyler Huntley is tried, and he does some things here and there. But Baltimore is a tough watch without Lamar Jackson. So if, if he's active, you know, it would be great to see Baltimore and Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, I you know, I think he was well on his way Monday night to having a performance for the ages with the way he came out of the gates. And so, uh, you know, I, th- I think that one's really interesting. And, you know, the rest component for some of these teams is going to be interesting. What does Tampa Bay elect to do? Uh, they've clinched the South. They can't really improve their seed. They're going to be the four. Do you play? You know, do we see a, a, an injury to a key player? You know, that's that's always something that can affect the tournament late. And then the other thing is what we saw last season in Jacksonville. Is there going to be some crazy upset that totally astonishes us and affects the playoff picture? The Colts came to Jacksonville last year in the finale convinced they were going to beat the Jaguars Mm -hmm. and go into the tournament. And Trevor Lawrence played his best game of his rookie season and upset them. And Jim Irsay was left to cry about it. And that probably ended the career as a head coach in Baltimore, in Baltimore, in Indianapolis, of Frank Reich. That game, that the beginning of the end that was for chapter Frank one. Reich, yeah, was, was that game. I that think. was the end of Carson Wentz in Indianapolis yeah. for sure. Yeah, it, it, for sure it was. I'm looking at these games. I got to come up with six. And again, you guys are tied. I got to come up with six, so there'll be some drama between you. I'll tell you my fear. My fear is on most of these games, the, a lot of the picks are kind of obvious in these, So, which means one of y'all got to go against each other. We'll just be co-champions. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'll, there'll be, I'll, I'll have something <laughs> something wonderful like running laps, chin-ups. Bring it on. Chin Bring it on. Congratulations, Lauren, okay. on the championship. Bowl, bowling, Bring it on. checkers and bowling. Okay, and, bowling is okay. – I don't know how good you are at bowling okay. is, but I'm awful. The, uh, but I, but, I'm, but if you think about it, I'm looking at these games. I think what we're going to probably have is – Total points scored, but do I do total points in the Jaguars game or to add the drama in the last game? So if we do the Packers, oh, I do. Devilishly clever. Oh, 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 listen, maybe all kind of stuff. What what maybe is who gets more picks right 
and can bounce a ping pong ball on their head the most. Okay, <laughs> that may be the combination of, of what we'll do on these, this picks contest. So, so we'll see what winds up happening. Let's take a break. We've got one seven to go. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of hoop, that and a whole lot more. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. All right, gentlemen, one segment here to go at Island Wing Company Southside location right across the street from the Kitchen and Flooring Design Center. Let's talk a little college basketball. Eight and five Texas A&M goes up against seven and six Florida tonight in Gainesville. Frank, you nervous? Uh, yeah, I am. I, I mean, uh, Florida should win that game. A&M lost at home to Wofford, to Murray State. Um, they've beaten a bunch of nobodies, including Oregon State, who Florida beat. You know, so so they're, they they they're scheduled. They're, they don't look like they're very good. But here's the SEC, Lauren. There are seven good teams and seven mediocre teams. LSU, Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State are very good. I think Florida's going to have a tough time beating any of them. There's Florida, uh, A&M, Vandy, Georgia, South Carolina, Ole Miss, seven teams who are, who are mediocre. So I think there's seven average and seven good, in my opinion. Well, having said that, they play back-to-back games. Oh, and Missouri's one of the good teams. I guess eight good teams. They're, they're ranked. So eight goods, eight goods, six mediocre, whatever the numbers are. Um, of the of the next two games they play, home games against A and M and Georgia, you have to win those games, have to, because after that you're at LSU, home against number twenty Missouri, at A and M who's average, then you're then you're at Mississippi State. So three of the next four are against good teams. So and one of them's a road team. So I think yeah, if you if you if I think there's no chance they're going to be nine and nine in the league. Y'all think they are? I think there's no chance. But if they are going to be, Hayes, you got to win these next two. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, and again, I, I think they're rounding into form. I think they're finding a little bit of toughness. And, uh, again, I, I was encouraged by what I saw at Auburn. So, yeah, I mean, look, at some point you're out of mulligans. It's like the Jaguars. And we thought maybe they'd spent their last mulligan. And as it turned out, you know, they had a couple more. Uh, but that's sort of where Florida is. You know, they, they, the, they've had enough time to figure it out. And you can sense the frustration in Todd Golden, but you can also sense the optimism of, man, we're close. And I think they start to turn a corner tonight, and I think they beat A&M, and I think they start to get on a run. I got them at 7-11 and 11 in the league. That's what I think they'll face. Yeah, so, so it's we'll interesting. Mississippi State, like you said, one of the good teams, but starting 0-2 in conference play, uh, not ideal. But By they're the pretty way, good, though. They are. Uh, you can hear the action, all the action between the Aggies and the Gators tonight uh, beginning on 10 to a.m. at 6.30 p.m. So if you're out and about, make sure you tune in for that. By the way, FSU starting at 4-11. and Baba Miller comes back next week. Yeah. Does and, he uh, drastically change the and, team? Y- yes. They're not, they're not very good. They're, 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 it's just going to be one of those years where the Noles aren't very good. He's earned the right to not be very good, but they're not very good. They're, 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 and, and, and Florida State fans know that, and Leonard knows that, and they'll probably bounce back after this year. But even with Bob and Miller, who's good, by the way, I don't think they're going to – in that league, it's going to be a tough go. I bet you they'll play better 600 basketball in league play from here on uh, once, once he returns. And so I think they're going to be – they're not going to be at the level that they've been. But I do think they're, they're not going to finish seven games under 500 when we get to the end of this thing. Uh, they, they might be right around it. Um, but I, I think Florida State's – I think they're going to have uh, some surprises up their sleeve as, as we, you know, get into 2023. 
I want to throw some Jaguars stats at you, gentlemen. Did you realize that this is just the second four-game win streak of the Shad Khan era, the four-game win streak the Jaguars are on right now? I didn't realize it, but I would have guessed. I would have guessed. Was the other one 17 or no? I would assume yes. it was yeah, 17. Yeah, yeah, it was 17. But I, but I would have guessed. There yeah, haven't been yeah, many. But, but yeah, I would have guessed. They, they have, they've, been a, they've been a struggling team, so I would have guessed that. The Jaguars, but go ahead, Hayes. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, when you've only won 29 <laughs> games as an owner, it's yeah. hard to have four yeah. games now. He's, he's, he has more than that, but yeah. it's not yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's I, not very many, but hopefully that but, record but, but, yeah, but I was, is yeah. getting ready to turn around. I was but there. a four-game win streak yeah. is not, I mean, it's the, not something crazy. Yeah. The funniest thing to do statistically is to look at Robert Kraft's record as owner of the Patriots and then figure out how many games in a row the Patriots would have to lose for Bob Kraft to have a matching winning percentage as Shad Khan. I did it like two years ago, and I want to say Robert Kraft, the Patriots would have to lose every game for like nine and a half years. <laughs> is that what it is? For it to equate. Oh, anyway, but hopefully brighter days ahead. That's for right. Shot Con this is the just the second four-game win streak. Many more to come. The Jaguars are tied with the Chargers and Vikings as the only teams to have four players with at least 40 catches, 500 receiving yards, and three touchdowns this season. That would be Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. How about that? I feel like we never talk about Marvin Jones anymore. Well, we don't because we talk about the other three guys. But I'll say this again. Not even thinking about Marvin Jones. I'll go back to the other guys. For Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Trevor Lawrence, four guys who had never played together before, four, four new guys to each other under a coach who had never coached them before with position coaches that have never coached them before, for that to have come together with the numbers those three guys have. Again, think about what I just said. Four players who had never been on the same team together, who, had never, who were all playing together for the first time, all playing for a new coach and therefore in a new offense for the first time. What are the chances that would turn into this? It's pretty bizarre. It's slim. I mean, that's the, that's the answer. It's very slim, and it's been incredible. And wait until 2023 next year, yes. next season, when Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones have all had a year together, and here comes Calvin Ridley. It is, uh, right. it is going to be a lot of fun. And Evan Ingram, hopefully, I just can't imagine he's not back. I can't either. So, I mean, I think you have to include oh, him in. I, I, he's, you, know, you know why he's going to be back? Because the franchise. Yeah. They're, they're, I, I will bet you anything that if they don't get a deal done, they franchise him. I would bet you anything in the world they either get a deal done or they franchise him. Who else would they use the franchise tag on? Really, possibly? the only guys that would be Jawan Taylor would that's be eligible for yeah. it, and really, I think that's yeah. And, and, I think and that's I do, about it. And I do think they want to sign Jawan. Okay, I mean, Jawan Smoot is yeah. you know is on the last yeah. year of his deal, but with the injury and that yeah. you would you know you, the right. tag for you know that position yeah. would be incredibly expensive. Um, and it's same thing with Arden Key, you know, but. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's, you got to tag Evan Ingram. Yeah. If, and and if you know if you come to a deal with Evan Ingram, uh, you probably don't tag Jawan Taylor. Right. But that's a discussion we but, can have after the Jaguars right. have their Absolutely. Super Bowl parade. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but I will tell you, they want to. I, I can tell you, they really do want to sign Jawan Taylor. I can tell you, I can tell you, they really want both of those guys on that team next year. One one quick thing about that, that we do have to think about, is the one good and I don't know if it's good fortune or good conditioning. But they have been a really healthy team. They are very – this is, I mean, to have no player other than Shaq Griffin, no players of significance 
that was that were expected to be of significance, missed times of significance is pretty good. Yeah, shout out to Jeff Ferguson yeah. for sure. Uh, as far as one other Titans Jaguars note, the injury report for today, uh, which is the second day we've received an injury report from the Titans, wide receiver Traylon Burks was a full participant in practice yesterday, but today was limited due to a groin injury. I will tell you this: groins, groins can last. If they don't have him, that really makes it tough on Joshua Dobbs. He's—they don't have a lot of other than throwing it to Derrick Henry out of the backfield and the young tight end. They don't have a whole lot of do something after the catch guys. If they don't have Traylon Burks, that's a gigantic, gigantic loss for the Titans. It's incredible. The Titans don't have a player with 500 yards receiving this season. The leader is Robert Woods with 487. How about that? The Jags have four to the point earlier. I mean, so, again, if you take a a weapon like Burks, you know, out of the lineup, it it just makes – a bad unit worse. I mean, they are if if you if they didn't have Derrick Henry, the Toronto Argonauts would beat the Titans. <laughs> I mean, but he they, has been a full participant yeah, in practice. Yeah, but I mean, they've got Derrick Henry and nothing else on offense. Now again, they've got this rookie tight end that might end up being fantastic, you know, down the line. I don't I don't think he'll do a whole lot Saturday night to really affect the game dramatically. He'll probably have three catches for 50 yards or a you know, decent number. But, uh, but yeah, if, if the Titans don't have Burks, I mean, that's, that is a massive problem for them. Obviously, Evan Ingram had a big day the first go-round with the Titans. Who do you think of the Jaguars' offensive weapons, who do you think has the big day, hopefully multiple ones? Uh, yeah, on yeah it's, it's hard not to, to, to think that those Evan Ingram matchups, there's something there. Sure. So it's hard now. Now, the Titans have tape of that game, too. So they're going to try and do some things different. But if you don't match up well with the guy, you don't match up well with the guy. They were, they were really beat up in that secondary. Uh, it, it's hard for me not to think that Evan Ingram is not going to get targeted a bunch in this game. Well, and I think that, again, this goes back to Doug Peterson, I think, has the right mentality from having played in the league for so long. Uh, and before he be, and before even becoming a play caller and a head coach, a lot of times in the league you overthink things. Don't overthink this. They can't cover Evan Ingram. Nothing has changed about the Titans in the last three or four weeks that would indicate that they now all of a sudden in Jacksonville can cover Evan Ingram. So it should absolutely be Evan Ingram again. I think sometimes in head coaches tend you see that divisional opponent for the second time, and it's almost like, well, we can't do what worked the first time. They'll be expecting that. Well, don't do that. Make them show you that they can stop it before you stop attempting to do it, and I don't think Doug Peterson's going to fall into that trap. So I, I, I think Evan Ingram, I think he will be open often on Saturday night. I certainly hope so. In the college football realm, Bobby Petrino is set to join Texas A&M as offensive coordinator just a month after he told UNLV he would take the same job. Bobby Petrino. How about that staff? Wow. Jimbo, Bobby Petrino, <laughs> DJ Durkin. Well, that's Steph. I wish we had Hard Knocks College Edition. Yeah, that would yeah. be fun. I mean, that, that, I, I, look, they're all good coaches. I can't help but think that thing's about to blow up. When Jimbo gets all pissy, he, he, we, at Florida State saw what happens when, he gets, when he's ticked off. and, and over, when, when Jimbo's over it, Florida State saw what happened. I, I can't imagine that thing's not going to blow up. I, and I will say I'm stunned that Jimbo Fisher is apparently giving up play calling because that was something that – he was pretty adamant about, but I, I agree. It, it feels like they're, and I, I haven't looked at their schedule for 2023 yet, but 
it feels like if it's seven and five, or certainly if it's what it was this year, but I think even if it's seven and five, I can't imagine at that point A and M doesn't just bite the bullet, pay the buyout, yeah. and and Whew. get out of it. Talk about a lot of money. Uh, Texas A and M twenty twenty three football schedule: New Mexico. When. Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking me when it was. I was like, uh, uh, yeah. the first game. <laughs> uh, at Miami. Loss. ULM. Louisiana win. Monroe. Auburn. Win. Arkansas. Loss. Alabama. Loss. At Tennessee. Loss. South Carolina. Loss. At Ole Miss. Win. Mississippi State. Win. I don't even know who ACU is, but so ACU. <laughs> LSU. Loss. They're 6-6. Six and six. They'll be 6-6 six and six again. Or in six and six this year. They were, what, five and seven yeah. this year? It, whether, right. whether I agree with you game by game or not, that's kind of what they feel like. Yeah. We're not special and, enough to and, pay and someone if, like that. And if he's six him. and six, they're going to fire him. Yeah. yeah if he's and, six, and, if, and at that point, the I buyout will be that. like 65-70, which is still <laughs> stunning. But, still but awful. I bet you at that point, they'll, they'll go ahead and they'll well, figure something well, out. And they I, may not have to pay him that whole thing, well, uh, but they'll. Well, I mean, with all the baggage, listen. Nobody's hired Petrino. He's been, a, he's been available for a long time. UNLV hired him because they're freaking UNLV, okay? Yeah. And Barry Odom I mean, guy was up against it and knew him from their, their Arkansas days. That, that fastball has yeah. to be going, so, doesn't it? Well, the point – maybe it is, maybe it didn't, but the, but the, but the point is he was, so, he was so toxic, nobody touched him. Now Jimbo goes and hires him. That's a move of desperation. I mean, you know you're desperate when you go – he could have hired him Again, teams could have hired Bob Petrino for years here, yeah, big-time schools, and he avoided it, and they avoided him and avoided him and avoided him. It was going to be a desperate school. Barry Odom knew him from their Arkansas days. That's why he hired him at, at Vegas. But then Jimbo said, listen, we got no choice. I, I, I got to believe Jimbo went to, to, to the AD and said, listen, we got no choice. And final note before we say hello to Rick Ballou. On this date in 1999, Tennessee defeated Florida State 23-16 in the inaugural BCS National Championship game. The Vols won the first true national championship game in college football history. Ballou's going to like you so transitioning to him with that. Let's, let's <laughs> I, say, I don't know what you mean. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick, that was the rooster. The rooster in charge out there in the desert, right? It was. Yeah, absolutely. No were you doubt. there? You were there, right? Were you there? For, were you at the game? for which? Uh, oh, the Tennessee State, FSU. Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, right? and I can tell you uh, an off-the-air story about a little hot tub party and some of that Mary <laughs> Jane being passed around and the confidence of them Seminoles thinking all they had to do was show up and win. Yeah, they came yeah. back and it hurt them. Mm-hmm. They went deep to Peerless Price. Mm-hmm. I think Peerless, Priest, Peerless Price got loose in that game. And John Ward, if I remember, says, and there are no flags. <laughs> That's exactly what he As said. he ran right by the original Mario Edwards, not yes, Mario Edwards well Jr. Num- number fifteen. But you know who they, right you know who they missed that day. Everyone's going to bring up Wanky. They missed former Jaguar Larry Smith in the middle of that defense. He would have been able that. to clog things up a little bit. Yeah, he almost I went. I was on the sideline for the game. He almost went after the official. He did go after the official uh, when the final gun went off in Tempe, Arizona. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. You know what's funny, by the way, about that team. 
Uh, I mean, and I, if Wanky plays, FSU wins the game. I mean, if, if Tennessee was yeah. good, they were undefeated. Well, they didn't deserve but, to be there anyway. Florida State, yeah, but the, Florida State did not deserve to be in that game. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, well, but Tennessee got there with the Clint Sterner fumble no, and, the, yeah. and the overtime oh, yeah. winner. But but I will tell you, even though Tennessee had got a lot of luck to win that thing, if you go back, Rick, and look at that Tennessee roster, the amount oh, of the amount of NFL players oh. on that team, it's unreal. It really Every, is. All, all three linebackers, Westmoreland and Al Wilson and Raynock Thompson and John Henderson and Darwin Walker and Terry Fair and Raymond Austin and those offensive – I mean, Jamal Lewis and Travis Henry. It's, it's, it's amazing how many, how many NFL guys were on that Tennessee roster. Yeah, and I think really it's – uh, unfortunately, I think a few of those guys are behind bars right now. Wasn't yeah. Goodrich the corner who was involved in a, was. a yeah. hit and run with the Dallas Cowboys? And you're right. I mean, they had three yeah. incredible backs. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that team – Obviously, you know, Peyton couldn't win. He didn't start right. in year one, but he was 0 for 4 against Florida. And, it, you know, then, yeah. it, you know, what they were able to do the year after was uh, simply Pretty incredible. But, uh, Pretty right. What's going on tonight? What are we doing tonight, Rick? Probably going to break that game down just for the hell of <laughs> okay. it since you, you got me in that type of mood. Um, it, you know, I, I've said it all week, and I'm getting a little bit of pushback here. And, you know, I, I got to say it. I, I don't do this often. I really don't. But I need to tell everyone out there who is listening to enjoy each and every moment of this. You're driving home during the rain. It's okay. Your dinner's going to be cold by the time you get home. It's okay. The Jaguars are taking Tennessee to the woodshed on mm. Saturday night. Enjoy each and every moment today, Thursday, Friday, the pep rally, all day Saturday. They win by at least 17 on Saturday how about, night. How about that? Well, all the, all the numbers point to that with the, the Josh Dobbs versus Trevor Lawrence points to that, so we'll see what winds up happening. So, all right, very good. Nah, Rick Lugas in tonight. Thank hey, you, you, know, you know what I have in common with Josh Dobbs? Tell me. We've never won as a starting quarterback in the NFL. There you go, both you and Josh. <laughs> see you, buddy. Rick Palooga's into the night right now, so stay tuned for him. Tomorrow we're here 2-4 to four, uh, in studio. Um, uh, one day before our big party at Strings. Thanks to our friends at Island Wing for having us out and to the Kitchen Floor and Design Center as well. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.